Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the three part Chepe Space, Doquan, Saint or Sinner. Let's take a listen. Uh, Tom, what's up? Hey, uh, I have a, an actual Luna Classic question if that's cool with you guys. Go for it. So, my question is for Raider. Um, Whatever happened with the coin in plan to implement a buy sell mechanism on Terra Station or to help do that? It's under discussion. We're we're working with them and discussing the how that will how that will happen. Yeah, I think that that would be a huge uh, huge step forward because um, I know the U.S. market. Um, there's not many options or um, avenues to purchase Lunk. Like Crypto.com, I think they have a huge fee for purchasing it. So um, like myself, I have to buy USDT and transfer it to KuCoin uh, just to just to swap it. So um, I think it would be a huge help to grow uh, Luna Classic, especially in the U.S. market. Hey, Tom, yeah, uh, uh, I've got to... I absolutely agree Tom, I've got a question for you. Um, so as someone who wants to see Luna Classic grow, um, like what to you is the purpose of the Luna Classic chain? Why do you want it to grow? And why this particular project as opposed to like any others? Like what is the, what is your differentiating like rationale? Um, I think more utility is better. Uh, more use cases for it is better. Um, then it kind of gets away from being a meme coin um, if there's use of, uh, usage for it. Um, and I think I think an on-off ramp right on Terra Station just simplifies the whole process. Um, you know, like something I think no, about I, is... I, I agree with you. So like all of that I get. Um, I'm in full support of all of that. That's cool. Um, what I'm asking you is like, why this chain for you? Like what, what made this the thing that was going to be the next big thing for you, like that you think this is going to like take over the world or whatever, right? Like what's the, like, where did you, how did you decide that uh, you were going to like put more of your effort doing this versus something else? Right. Like you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm one of the people who came in after the crash. Um, and, you know, so, so obviously money is a motivator, but that's not my only motivator. Um, I think I think what drew me to it was um, the fact that it crashed so hard, so fast, so far. Um, it's kind of like, you know, and I think a lot of people will probably agree with this. Like you want to see it come back from the dead. Um, and so to me, I think something that was thriving so much because, you know, I didn't know too much about Luna before it crashed. 
Um, the majority of what I do know, I learned after the crash. And so you look at something that was thriving so much and crashed, uh, still kind of an unknown as to the reason, uh, at least to a certain extent. Um, I think there's just some sort of like, uh, like underdog story that is forming now uh, for a lot of people, myself included, where you see where it was, you see how hard it crashed, and you want to see it get back to where it was in some form or another. Um, and I think, I think something like having an on-off ramp at Terra Station, like think about all the people who are able to purchase and invest and 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 be involved in the community, and then think about how many of those people are misinformed and really don't know what they're talking about, or at least they 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 talk about things as if they know, but you know, they don't, as opposed to just like sitting back and learning and admitting, I don't know the answers. Um, you know, you take all those people and then there's 10 times as many people behind them who maybe want to invest, but don't have that easy ability to just go but buy. To be, but passes. to be fair, like you jumped in because you were sort of aping in because the price was down and you saw some potential upside. You didn't yourself necessarily have like some, extraordinarily deep view of like what this was right like you're learning as you go and you're trying to figure out wait did i buy the right thing is it going to go up is there something i can do to um you know expand the reach or whatever right yeah definitely um but i also i think it's harmful for you know you see all these people on twitter who are just spreading nonsense or misinformation um, like, like what? What kind of like nonsense like really irritates you? I'm trying to think of a, an example. Um, well, I mean, this is this is kind of uh, like on the other end. But for example, I saw some like some random page kind of reposted the um, the announcement that Binance made in late September about burning um, their fees as if that were some new decision or some different decision that was just made. Um, and then you have that all up and down the spectrum as far as positive and negative. Um, or you have people, for example, like in the Lunk Live uh, conversation yesterday, which I think was a little bit of a witch hunt. Um, you have you have people who are developing this mob mentality, possibly building each other up to try to find things that aren't there, um, maybe to to self-aggrandize each other or make each other feel more important in this whole process where I think, I think what we need is we need to sit back and, and listen to the people who actually know what they're talking about um, and, and, and try to understand how everything works um, before we form opinions. And, you know, uh, yeah, I did come into this after it crashed. I didn't know much about it. All I knew was, hey, this crashed down like crazy. Let me buy some of it, see if it goes back up. I invested about I've invested under five hundred dollars in it when it crashed. I made about twenty thousand um, and I didn't just sell it all. And like I still have it all. Um, and, and I think it has potential to go higher. And I'm not only coming from that from the angle of like, oh, I want to make a ton of money. Like I said before, I think it's it's definitely an underdog story and I'd love to see it succeed. And I'd love to contribute in a way that I can. I just I don't know what that is right now. So a good way to describe it is you hopped in because of price action, but afterwards you got kind of like enamored by the community or whatever could be offered by people that joined like Terra Rebels and other folks, right? Yeah, definitely. 
like what's your take so as a as a new user right like so you heard all the drama yesterday uh you know they're trying to like people that are trying to treat terror rebels sort of like you know i don't know like at the same level of doquan or some shit right um like what is your feeling on that like how do you think uh like terror rebels or whoever should proceed with uh like updates to this thing do you want do you want to be voting on every uh maybe like thing that happens on the chain are you doing a lot of like research into like programming on rust or whatever else uh like how are you um like uh, how are you preparing your mind to be able to vote for all these proposals that are coming and uh and and what role do you think terror rebels or anybody else has to play in this so uh yeah there's a couple things there um as far as tower rebels rebels goes i kind of look at um the blockchain it's decentralized i look at it kind of like a free market and so um my my opinion is it doesn't benefit terror rebels to uh, go partner with a shady company that has other motivations um, to make to to influence whatever Tower Rebels decides to do with the blockchain, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You can't to me. You can't look at it that way. Um, to me, the right way to look at it is Tower Rebels can do whatever they want. Um, this is a situation where um, um, Neblio saw what Terror Rebels were doing, and they said, "Hey, you know what? There's." First of all, there's not many other players in the game right now doing much to to make any changes to the to the blockchain. Um, but they saw a group of people and they said, "We like what you're doing. We want to support you." That's what it looks like on the face of things. And I think I think for 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 certain individuals to say, like yesterday in the in the Lunk Live conversation, someone said that um, the fact that Neblio had a um, had a domain name that was for sale is like evidence of some sort of rug pull. And it's like, to me, if you, if you have that evidence, just compile it, put it in some sort of, you know, like um, some sort of white paper or some list that's, that people can read and form their own opinions instead of just like, to me, those guys are all just like winding each other up for no reason. Um, so that kind of covers part of it. My thought is like, no one, no one should have any influence over what Terror Rebels decides to do. And, and the influence you have is you vote on whatever proposals they, they um, put for, uh, forward. So Yeah, I, I remember uh, maybe a year ago, um, I had some sort of idea about what should happen on uh, Terra. And I remember like, you know, having some, I don't remember what the conversation was about and what the, what the thing was, but I remember Doe uh do Kwan specifically telling me okay look uh here's the thing like you can argue forever on telegram chats you can argue forever on whatever twitter spaces discords or whatever the fuck right but at the end of the day all that matters is like what are you going to put out there as far as a proposal are you going to actually code what's necessary to make it happen and if the community decides to do any number of different adventures like for example hire developers uh, to like code up something and then create a proposal for the community to vote on, whether that's through volunteer funds or just people's like, you know, free time or whatever. At the end of the day, all that matters on a Cosmos blockchain is what goes up as a proposal and what's voted on. Everything else is just like noise. And that's the end of it, right? So all the other garbage that happens in between is that's, that's all there is. So it's like, if you have a group of people that are building something, 
versus a bunch of people that are bitching about nothing at all, right? Uh, then the question is like, what are you going to do- go do about it? Go fucking learn to code. Go learn some Rust. Go like create your own. Uh, go investigate what's happening on the GitHub hub repos. Learn how like the Cosmwasm smart contract platform works. Go out there and produce whatever it is you want to produce. But I think most of the people out there are just armchair quarterbacks talking nonsense for the most part. Like, and you're going to see plenty of that going on. And um, like, there is no blockchain, no public blockchain where this does not happen, by the way. This is not unique to Terra. It's not unique to decentralization or whatever. I have always sort of like, mm, not always, but like, I have realized over the past at least a year and a half that um, most of DeFi is not decentralized at all. It's largely some form of quasi-centralized teams that um, will have an, a relative outsized amount of say and power in how things work. And I'm fine with that personally. Like, I am okay with this. Like, if I was not okay with it, I would not have bought, like, a coin like Luna that was heavily owned by TFL, that was, like, heavily, um, like, maintained by um, the TFL system. Uh, and uh, the, any risks that I took, whether it was Doe or anybody else making decisions on behalf of the system, like that was a risk I took knowing the centralization that was there. Now, is it going to be any less centralized um, uh, in Luna Classic? I think the odds of this are not high, by the way. Like credible decentralization is high, very difficult to achieve. Um, it's almost never happened outside of um, sort of the fluke that was Bitcoin because it was sort of novel in many ways. And most layer one type systems are not particularly centralized. I've almost given up on it. I've pretty much decided personally that like corporations, most blockchains will become centralized and the decentralization needs to happen on the order of many, many, many blockchains, like thousands of them, tens of thousands of them. Just like there's many companies and corporations and individuals and people like with different financial incentives, my philosophy has moved towards this away from this idea that like the average blockchain is going to be super decentralized. And the reason is because like any attempt to try to do anything useful requires some element of centralization, coordination and control, narrative, messaging, memification, whatever it is. And like there's just like it's not really clear that like just because you're decentralized that automatically means you are going to succeed or that you can put a team together to build in that manner. So anyway, uh, that's just my general sort of like take on this and uh, how I view sort of like layer one blockchains today compared to uh, like, you know, any kind of fantasies I might've had. Anyway, Raider, go ahead, man. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I have to shoot off in a, in a minute or two because I've got another meeting. And but, coach, I'm um, having a hard time adding you back uh, as either like yeah. speaker or co-host or anything. I'm not sure what's going on. I just wanted to say that, that, that there is uh, nothing Raider, stopping can you hear me? any team. Um, Raider's talking, Sefi. I think maybe uh-huh. you're... Oh, I'm the one that's broken. Okay, well, shit. Uh, let me ch- try well, to... Wait, hang on. Raider's just saying goodbye, so maybe you can okay. say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Let me yeah, break yeah, from I, the space I, anyway, because I, I think to, I, I might have, have broken because like my reason. connection. And I'll see if I can reconnect. If I don't, we'll just like restart the space. I think the thing got bugged somehow. Yeah. All okay. right, I'll be right back. Okay. okay. All right. Thank, thanks for the opportunity to speak. And uh, hopefully next time we can uh, talk about something else. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Rita, thanks for what you do. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. 
Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I guess Raider had to jump, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was trying to say bye, and you were both talking at the same oh, time. Sorry. <laughs> but you couldn't help it. It's just funny. I think sometimes you um, change from, like, cell phone to Wi-Fi or something like that. This thing can go bronkers. And like it, yeah, it Especially up. if the host has that happen anyway um trying to see if bruce's bruce can come back up um he has like a invite thing requested but like it's not allowing me to add him back which is weird um anyway let's see here uh tom yeah you, you wanted to comment let me see if i can get bruce to yeah, um, and, and just to kind of like follow up on what we were talking about with those the Lunk Live guys, um, you know, I, I, I know you were in there yesterday. I know that we, we probably like you probably know who I'm talking about. Um, but I agree. Like, if you if you see a group of people who are who are at least being productive, you may disagree with how they're doing that or what they're doing. Which again, you can just vote no on whatever they propose. Um, if you if you if you think that they're shady, if you think that they're not doing a good job, just like, you know, vote no, do it yourself, figure out how to, how to, how to code something. It's just, to me, to me, it's telling, um, like, for example, one of those guys was saying like, you know, they've been involved, uh, Neblio has been involved in five projects that have been rug pulls or whatever. And it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that's, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. The point is, like, if you're going to say that, just tell us what they are, you know, like, or, or put a list together and tweet it out. Like, what's the harm in that? If you think that Neblio... Yeah, what, what you're saying is a lot of, like, tweets and information are sort of low information, like, high, like, like high noise, low signal type content, right? Yeah, I just... Right. I mean, it, it, to me, it can be more damaging overall to make accusations like that without doing doing that research first, having that information out, you know, and, and if you, if you think terror rebels are in on something, right, then, okay, then maybe you just go out to the public and say, look, Neblio has done X, Y, Z. Um, they're shady for these reasons. Um, and which by the way, even if they are, it has nothing to do with what's going to happen with, with Luna classic. You just vote against whatever terror, terror rebels proposes from here forward, if that's how you feel. But it, let's say that you think you trust Terror Rebels and you think that they're just being had by Neblio, then why don't you do that research and, and actually apply yourself and, and lend your time to the cause, do that research, and then bring it to the Terror Rebels guys instead of screaming at them um, like in a, in a witch hunt on a, on a Twitter space. And, yeah, and I think, I think uh, crypto in general is, uh, if you think about how governance and how these teams work too, like there is a certain level of just crypto anarchy involved here, right? The idea that somehow you're going to have a decentralized system, yet you're going to be able to hold individuals, quote unquote, accountable. No, the only thing you can hold accountable is the code itself. Let's say, for example, I were to accept, I don't know, like some sort of substantial bribe for something I do in the crypto space. Um, would there be any definitive way to prove that I have taken a bribe? or have unduly influenced some sort of development process or anything else? No. Like, there's a, besides, like, my word that I'm honest, there's no proof that I can provide you, uh, especially if allegations are made that I've done something dishonest, right? 
there's no way to prove like a negative essentially uh, without any kind of evidence. People can say almost anything, but it's even besides that, even if you did actually commit some sort of like something that would be considered in the traditional finance world, some kind of a fraud, like insider trading or I don't know, whatever. Right. Um, it's like, you have to assume that like the web three web two, uh, well, really the web three space, whatever you want to call it is basically crypto anarchy. You should assume that there's insider trading going on. You should assume that there are people that have asymmetric insider knowledge about what's coming next. And therefore they are buying more of a certain coin than you have. You should assume that like at the beginning when projects and dApps and like different things get produced, that some people are getting a better shake or better deal than you are. Um, almost certainly this is going to be true unless you have been approached specifically for some kind of like private seed rounds or some other shit. Like the odds that you are getting, you're going to be dumped on is fairly high. And if you don't like it, if you don't like this like concept, you should just get out of DeFi and stay the fuck out. Honestly, that's the right answer because <laughs> any kind of fantasy that people have about accountability and all this other nonsense that is, like there's no current method to achieve any of that without using external legal means, external forms of enforcement and government. And like, uh, you know, it actually, it, I, I find it f quite interesting. Like when people go after, like, I don't know, what is it? The, like the influencer crowd, like the BitBoy cryptos and stuff like that, who take money in the background and then they like pump some project or whatever. I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, this is just like, this is all just normal. And the funny thing is those exact same like paid people um, or whatever, when it's beneficial to the holders of that coin, like let's say XRP and BitBoy Crypto or somebody like Shills XRP, it's funny how nobody gives a shit as long, or at least not the XRP people, army or whoever it is. They're perfectly fine with the idea of this guy getting paid and shilling this token. They have no problem with it. It's only after the fact when the price goes down, people get upset that someone chilled such and such. But that's just one example of like um, stuff that's going to be very, very difficult to control. It's going to be very, very difficult to prove like innocence or guilt in these arenas. And I think that should all be included in your risk management in a sense, as far as how much money you're willing to uh, like um, deploy towards some sort of crypto project DAP or whatever the hell it is. So with asymmetric extreme upside, like 100x or 1000x or whatever you expect to get out of something, you should expect like at least that much downside. And graft corruption and chaos is liable to happen the bigger a system gets, the more people get involved, the harder it is to actually like vet, you know, people. So like if let's say you have a dozen uh, members of your team, now you're trying to add double the size of your team. How do you know one of those people isn't going to be some, um, you know, asshole who's going to come in, like, you know, add some code to sort of wreck the system or has insider knowledge is going to like either buy or sell or short a token against uh, against the community just based on that knowledge. Right. Like, I can't even tell you how many times like I've spoken to so many different projects and such. And I knew about information, like, you know, what people call alpha, like about things we're gonna, that are going to emerge. Things are going to come out. Things are going to, like, affect the popularity of a chain. Maybe things that are going to cause, like, news headlines and shit like this. And, like, you know, is it possible for me to buy those coins and things before you can? That's possible, right? Like, at the same time, like, do I have to disclose that I'm buying those things? Eh, I don't know. Uh, are you going to be able to prove that I bought any of those things that I talked about? Not really, not really with any kind of like 
um, not with any certainty. Um, so all I'm saying is like, there's no reason to trust me any more than you trust anybody else. And and the reality is like, you you should just weigh that all into like the 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 risk that you place in a system and anything short of that is just silly right like it just doesn't make any sense i think somebody posted um like i think it was um uh 10 that posted like uh yesterday or today like he said okay like binance has all this asymmetric information about how many bots are trading on their platform they sort of know the sort of floor price of bitcoin based on like the, the how many open orders are present and how much um uh you know because of so much of the traffic happening on their platform is it possible that employees at binance or people at binance could be insider trading that information and like placing their orders in such a way that they can beat you or me sure why not like you know you should assume that's happening and you should assume it's happening all the time um anything less than that is just you're just a sucker is all it really means and uh, i think he's right about some of those points like it it's reasonable to think that people with really, really high levels of power, it's going to be very difficult to like prevent individuals within a large organization, whether it's a crypto organization, an exchange, whatever the hell it is, it's going to be hard to sort of like prevent bad actors from uh, using that information. And even if they're doing it benignly, like I've seen this with NFT projects and other things where, where they felt like they were within their like rights or in their domain to be able to take advantage of that information. Um, a lot of people aren't really, really well versed in like, I don't know, securities laws or like what is considered ethical and non-ethical behavior. A lot of people figure if you can buy and sell something and you push a button, that's just your right to do so. Um, welcome to crypto anarchy. That's just how it is. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, like why people assume anything else. And then on the other hand, like when something bad happens, oh, where are the regulators? How, where are they going to, are they going to arrest Do Kwan or whatever? No, they should arrest you. You fucked up your own money. They should just take your your keys away from your ability to make any money. And that's what the government ends up doing, right? In the real world, they actually just eliminate access to investors to any kind of speculative assets that are non-accredited in many Western countries. And they just take your rights away because they figure you're a moron and you shouldn't have access to your own money and to do whatever the hell you want with it. And then on the other hand, people go to crypto thinking they're escaping TradFi or something, but then they're not willing to take on the risks of like highly speculative um, investment vehicles, and then they blame the the sky or whatever, whatever nonsense. So like you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want a regulated system, you have that. If you want an unregulated system, you have that. And you should like invest and use your money accordingly, and play you know and decide like what you're expecting. Like a lot of what like I've gotten down to is like okay. I'm going to use a significant portion of the funds that I deploy in uh, DeFi to sort of like pick things that I believe in. And then um, to me, it's like, okay, that's supporting liquidity. Um, yes. Am I exit liquidity for certain projects? If I go and buy certain coins, absolutely. That's just normal. That's how a market works. But at the same time, like if I believe in that project, okay, fine. Can the price go up at some point? Sure, maybe. But on the other hand, it's like, do I want to participate in voting and governance? Um, that's the whole reason you buy these coins half the time. They're governance tokens. They're not a way for you to gamble or whatever. If you don't want to, if you don't want to participate in governance or you don't know how that works, why in the fuck are you buying a governance token? Yeah, exactly. So most of DeFi like doesn't want to participate in decentralized governance. They have no idea. Most of the people don't have any idea what it means to actually like, um, like what risks they're actually taking. 
and they're just blowing their money and having fun. And I think that's really all you should look at it as. Like at this point, for most people, 95% of people, crypto is just simply entertainment as far as I'm concerned. Like could, they couldn't handle, they could not even hold like, a, their, their opinions about like how crypto works don't hold almost any water. It's so silly, like how much, like how much money people throw into things they have no idea about and then wonder why they got wrecked or whatever. Like it's just common, common, common. And you see it on Twitter all the time as well. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And, um, you know, imagine, imagine you're in the room, uh, during the meeting when Coinbase says, Hey, we're going to list, we're going to relist Luna classic on Friday at three o'clock PM Eastern time. Um, you know, what you could do with that information, because clearly that, that would have an in, instant impact on the price. What you could do with that information could could make someone a lot of money. Um, and I guess that's a risk you have to, as someone who's already invested before that or, or coming in afterward, you just have to, you know, like at a certain point, CZ knew he was going to um, going to make a tweet saying, hey, you know what, we're just going to burn our fees. And he must have known that that was going to make some sort of uh, difference to the price or vice versa when he was saying, um, you know, we can we can list the option for the one point two percent burn tax, but we don't think people will opt in. Um, so, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and I actually have a question for you. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen on October 26th when more when more delegators can come in or uh, validators can come in? What do you think is going to happen to the um, circulating supply? and the the supply that's staked um wait which chain and what are we talking about are we talking about you're talking about luna classic now yeah luna classic i think october 26th is when new validators can come in um i'm curious what you think i mean because i think i think there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of social media draw who are going to get um holders to to stake with them or, or new new investors yeah, well, this is an argument about validators um, that's been going on for quite some time now. Um, ideally, you want a validator that is going to, like, in an ideal ideologic world, right? What do you expect out of your validator? One is you expect them to do their job, which is validating transactions and being the arbiter of truth, right? That's one reason you have a validator. The second reason is because you believe that they are going to vote uh, using your, like, voting shares you're giving them to vote in your best interest, right? That's the other reason. Um, and so you're g basically giving them voting power, almost like you're giving like a congressman or something like that, voting power. Um, and then the, the last thing you're doing essentially is you are like hoping that the more validators promotes decentralization in theory, right? Like that, if you talk about increasing validators. Now, does that actually happen? Not necessarily, because a lot of times the top 10 validators um, oftentimes have like way disproportionately higher voting power. So even if you add like 100 more, 1,000 more validators, all you're actually doing is diluting the votes of all the residual you know, validators. It'd almost be like, let's say you have like in America, you have like the Republican and Democrat Party. But like if you bring in a dozen other political parties, like it probably just dilutes, you know, some, but it's not going to really like eliminate the, the, the concentration of voting power among a couple of big players. So I, I don't know. I'm, I didn't follow the Luna Classic. Um, maybe Bruce knows here. Like, I didn't follow closely, like, what the point of adding more validators was. I, I'm not sure. Now, I guess it, one good thing about having more validators would be maybe, like, you want all those validators to advertise the network. So maybe you're just getting yourself more 
users that are sort of entrenched in like promoting the blockchain, maybe. I don't know. Like Bruce, do you have any thoughts on this thing? Since Bruce actually has a validator. <laughs> I don't know if he's like he can hear me or not. Can you guys hear him? Tom, is he trying to speak? <laughs> uh he's muted for me. Yeah, okay. me too. My app's crashing loads, so I don't know if it's a Twitter thing. I don't know what's like Bruce is making emojis, but maybe not able to talk or something. Maybe he's peeing again or something. <laughs> Some sort of Maybe he's anyway. mocking you, Safi. What's think that? He's mocking you. Maybe he's uh, being mean. That's possible. That's possible. Um, anyway, but Tom, yeah, like, I, uh, how many validators are being added for that? I didn't see the proposal or whatever. I don't. I didn't follow it that closely. Uh, that I am not sure of. Um, that's a good question. I'll have to look that up myself. Um, I was just curious what you thought because I think the the percentage that is staked has grown slowly in the past like month or so. Um, I think it's up to about ten percent. Um, I'm curious what's going to happen on the 26th. Um, and I actually got to, I got to bounce off, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. See you, Tom. Bye. Anyway. Hey, Yiz, what's up? Anything? Oh, so many things on my mind. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> just on the theme of taking 100% responsibility, because, um, you know, I found, I'm, you know, is Do Kwan a saint or a sinner? He's just a 31-year-old guy, first of all, right? And he's he's a genius. I don't care what the judgment is. He, he's just him, and he did what he did, and it was an experiment. And so, um, <clears throat> at least for me, you know, I, I found Luna. Uh, I heard about Tara Luna. And I saw it when it was like, I don't know, like 28 cents or something. And I was like, hmm, I like the name, like Terra Luna. What is that? And I, so I, I, I always go look at the founder. And I saw an interview with Do Kwan, sort of like an academic interview. It, it was his philosophy and it was him talking about his white paper, right? And he's a, you know, like how, how things end up isn't always how they get planned. Right. And so in my mind, I was like, fuck, man, I'm going to follow this guy. And and then I I started following him and, and, and Tara. And I saw it go from 30 cents to like twenty two dollars in like, I don't know, like three months. I was like, fuck, you know, <clears throat> I miss Luna. I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> what am I doing? I've been waiting you know, but you know, I was like, "Fuck, it's it's it it's gone." It you had FOMO. I yeah, but I didn't buy because I knew because I've been around crashes, right? Yeah, so you, you felt like it went up too much too quick, and something's gonna happen. Yeah, I I I knew it. I saw it go up, and I I had FOMO, but I knew well enough not to buy until after the crash, right? And so it crashed, and I you know started buying at two eighty or whatever it was. <clears throat> and the thing is, is that uh, that experience in DeFi uh, there over in Terra was the, uh, uh, the best semblance of I'm actually my own bank. Uh, now, to rely on uh, blockchain technology 
and decentralized leadership and decentralized protocol to rely on a large portion of anyone's net worth is nuts, right? It's a, it's a very high risk, high return thing. So what I did was I was like, all right, I'm going to get in, but I, I literally am going to uh, only get in what I can afford to lose, right? Which for me was substantial. You're pretty, you're pretty careful. I was very careful. Okay. And I've been, and I've been around the block, but I start, once I started to see the exponential thing happening, once I started to see Luna taking off, and once I started to see the deals being made, and once I started to see... Um, yeah, so you had increasing conviction, so you threw more money at it. Well, I, well no, I just kept on... Or something on, like that. No, I just kept on uh, stacking my Luna. Um, but I, I knew it as soon as, and this is just my instinct, having seen like exponential growth things crash and technology crashes and chaos happens. I just knew when it got up to about 118, I was like, and my son told me too, he was like, dad, it's just like, it's way, it's, something's wrong. I was like, yeah. And I had a sense that all those astro wars and I was so into retrograde and that's when I first uh, met. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Grover. Ox ears, Grover. Mm-hmm. I was, and I just, so anyway, the point is, is that Luna was the first time that I had a sense that, okay, I can be my own bank. I knew it was tenuous. I played anchor, played, you know, I was stacking my Luna. Uh, but I was smart because I knew the crash was coming. And so I was taking money out of it. Um, which is part of the problem, right? People were playing the system. We were all playing playing the game. And so that's why I take 100% responsibility. And my attitude So pretty is, much all the suicides are your fault then. Exactly. Yeah, I'll take full responsibility, right? Sure. Um, exactly. And the point is, is that uh, decentralization is a, is a, is, is a fantasy. Um my experience, uh, you know, it's like centralization starts with a human, right? And so I'm one human. I have a centralized ownership of my assets, and I'm fully responsible for how I deploy them, right? And so decentralization, uh, yes, we can aspire to decentralized peer-to-peer networks, decentralized money, and we should, for sure, because it's critical to establish a decentralized internet, for example right? They can't be shut down. It's critical to set up decentralized networks, you know, that can stand up when other systems collapse. But, you know, to blame anyone other than self is just a sure sign of, um, I don't know, of egocentric immaturity. You know, it's it's another interesting thing, like um, anyone from Bitcoiners to everyone will sort of like argue for like the libertarian dream of like, uh, you know, um, independent money and everything. Right. But you know, you know what, no one's ever been able to like clarify to me, um, with, and, uh, where, where the argument sort of breaks down. Um, so let me let better tomorrow come up cause he's not gonna be able to hear while he's making this like speaker transition. Yeah. So where, where, where even the most ardent Bitcoiner, um, and decentralization advocate hasn't been able to sort out like, you know, this a solution is what do you do when you have many, many sort of like uh, machine learning and bot armies 
all waging war on the internet against you, against your neighbors, against like all of like normal human values. And you don't have a way to shut that down, right? So let's say the dream of decentralization actually occurred and you had like this information system that was impossible to shut down. It, the, like the optimistic view is generally taken by many people who are like have a bag in Bitcoin or anything else. But at the same time, it's like if you look at the people who are in sort of like the AI research labs, like the Nick Bostroms of the world and a variety of other people, like almost every permutation of that comes out badly. Like almost every permutation comes out badly for the human race and uh, or at least a completely uncontrolled, um, very, very violent sort of like ascent of that kind of technology with very little control or the ability to shut it down ultimately. And, um, and increasingly decentralizing networks makes the financing and the fuel for that, whether it's Bitcoin or otherwise, a lot more possible, which is like sort of like bringing on the Ray Kurzweil idea of like the singularity, right? So like on the one hand, you have like people that want to go after like the Do Kwans of the world. Like there's going to be a lot of things like disasters that happen via decentralization um, that uh, like... I think you're not going to have a boogeyman to go and touch, right? You're not going to have this individual. What's going on, Suk? <laughs> you're clapping. I, so, think go ahead, I, I, I think he agrees with you. Yeah. Any comments to that yeah. to that effect? I'd, I'd love to chime in and good morning. Um, morning. <laughs> the yeah, this is a really interesting um, discussion. Um, I. Yeah, I agree. We need to take personal responsibility for our trading, and yeah, losing rights—you know—of of what we can losing freedoms to a regulator so they can like protect you know the dumbest among among us. Um, it doesn't seem like a path. Um, it's kind of in our own responsibility to be educated, um, enlightened. You know, use our brains to protect ourselves. I, I mean as soon as we start to need the regulator to kind of protect all of us, at what point, you know, do they pass laws that you can't have banana peels in your driveway? Um, you might slip and fall and, you know, hurt your head. Um, it, and, and the more of these laws that have been passed over a hundred years, kind of the more we all get tied up in knots. Um, I just went, went through my taxes. Um, God, the number of little details and laws and shit that you got to comply with it, it you know, it, it, it just gets to be death by a thousand um, kind of little laws. And a lot of these old laws in the books, they don't even get enforced properly anymore because nobody remembers that they were passed or that they're there. It's, it's, it just gets kind of deeper and heavier with time. Um, so, so the, yeah, I think we all have to take personal responsibility on, on the, the, um, the, the, the question though, is DeFi um, uh, kind of inherently kind of flawed um i'm i'm not sure i quite agree that that it's a fantasy um i think we're kind of incre I, here's how i see the progression i think we're like incrementally making progress as a community towards this ideal satoshi nakamoto started the movement um and with bitcoin all you could do was like send and receive you know this digital asset that was all you could do and we're slowly figuring out how to decentralize the infrastructure and to do more kind of sophisticated and complex things like you know, have a community fund or treasury that has accountability through councils, each with multi-sig to oversee the work of contractors, all of whom can kind of support the building out of the vision of the network, which I kind of see in our 
kind of day and age as being similar to the efforts, uh, you know, of, of hundreds of years ago to build out the pyramids or build out the cathedrals or, or it's like this huge kind of public works kind of initiative to create a public infrastructure that's decentralized, that kind of adjudicates decentralized values. I think the values are really important to understand things like, you know, peace, love, harmony, safety, security, kind of for everyone. Um, and I think that we're like we're, we're working towards these ideals because, though, we haven't had things like decentralized kind of treasury management tools. You, you have centralization creep back in and, and the founding kind of company that created the network in the first place you know, misuses funds, or we have all these centralized exchanges. It's the centralization that's the problem. That's what we're all fighting against, however, in creating this move to decentralization. Like, we're trying to get away from the corporates and the nation states that were centralized, opaque. They, they were all started with high ideals and great values, but then over time, as they mature and become successful, the U.S. and Google included, you know, you inevitably create this honeypot where, like, you know, crooked people or Psychopaths are attracted to come in and take control and take the reins and, and to use that power in a wrong way. And it's like the story of history where closed kind of um, centralized uh, corporates and, and nation states. But, but I guess the, my, my point was you're, you're not going to get rid of those people, right? So, well, I, uh, so, so I think we will, though. I think, I think the movement towards decentralization is it, it started 10 years ago and piece by piece we're building out kind of mechanism by, by mechanism um, with smart contracts um, kind of these transparent kind of rules based um, kind of mechanisms and and we still don't have the mechanism to solve the problem of the centralized corruption of the treasury once the, the funds go you know from the community through a vote into into the community fund and then you got two or three kind of centralized insiders there and the the chance of corruption is pretty high, but once we have like an like an assembly and multi 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 sigs and we can fire councils, we're we're like slowly getting to mechanisms to kind of enable this decentralized vision to to extend and broaden and become more robust. So I'm still hopeful. I'm I'm like, like let's say your example about um, Binance having insider info and trading on it. Yeah, but that's a centralized thing. And we know corporates and nation states have this problem with centralization, and that's what we're trying to get away from. So I get that. But 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 what about Kujira and the decentralized order book? Is there going to be any front running there? And so is what we're doing, we're slowly building out this infrastructure that runs in rule of code that we can all trust, kind of locked open, where the rules are transparent. The history about the past we can agree on, the rules... To, the to an extent, although, uh, like Kujira's example they have decided not to be open source. I don't know if you're aware of that. Interesting. I wasn't it's, aware of It's that. one of the arguments that Jacob's been having with them is like, hey, you guys aren't open source. And their, their counter to that is, well, we have like a team of 50 people or whatever, however many number of people they have to build their system. Uh, it's really expensive. These guys have to get paid. And if we're not making revenue and we're giving all our intellectual property away by making it open source, then someone can just copy our mechanisms really, really easily and deploy like the key, the key parts of it. So therefore, like they have taken the tack of going with the closed source. But the problem that uh, Jacob points out and others point out is, and again, if you're a Kujira owner, you should know this, that if there is an error in the um, system that has not been like fully uh, vetted by the community uh, in an open source way, similar to how like, I don't know, like Linux, you know, is open source. Then what happens is, is that like if a flaw happens, 
then you just have to be aware that you know the Kujira network is a centralized system by a centralized group. It's it's posing to be decentralized by having Cosmos validators. You know, so there are elements of decentralization, but the code base and the team are very much centralized, and that's a risk a person has to be willing to take when they buy into that ecosystem. But I think that's okay. That, now, like that's here's a great the thing. Example, Sefi. So let's just keep pushing this 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 thread a little bit further. Um, let's assume for just a moment, I, I'm, I'm willing to buy the, or to, to, to kind of co contemplate and to, and to question my own optimism based on your comment. And I think it was Yiz's comment about DeFi being a fantasy. But let's assume for a moment that I'm right in the argument and there is kind of incremental progress from kind of Satoshi to today. And, and then let's say um, Kujira even is a half form in the evolutionary kind of fossil record. And let's say that quickly within a year or two, it gets open source. Somebody who's just as smart comes up with kind of an open source version of Kujira and we all quickly move over um, right. because of the open source foundations. And so what we're trying to get to is like these protocol defined smart contracts. And the Cosmos SDK is a list of about 15 of them where, where you have these smart contract modules that devs have gifted in an open source way to this community that we can all use them to, to kind of quickly instantiate a chain. Within a year, we're gonna have an assembly module. So we're gonna solve the old kind of centralized corruption for the treasury in a, in a much better way. And so as these, let's say we get a, a decentralized trading module that replaces Kujira. Where are we gonna be in five years or 10 years? Once we replace every single kind of public service of the Westminster governments, and we can join into voluntary networks of millions of people you know, around something like an identity card and a contractor providing that, and we can fire the contractor if, if they don't perform. Yeah, I mean, I just think that yeah, sure. we're I on think an inevitable trajectory and we're, and we're actually making pretty fast headway. We're only about 10 years into this. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm still hopeful. I want to be optimistic, but I don't know. No, Maybe don't. I'm just an, a hopefully idealistic, optimistic person and I need to deal with my own psychological disorder of grandiosity. <laughs> well, the, I'm the way I'm thinking of it, the way I'm thinking of it is this, like, okay, it's okay for Kajira to be whatever it wants to be. Like, that's the whole point of self-sovereignty. Like, the goal of the cosmos was not to force you to be open or closed source. It wasn't a goal to make it so that, like, the, the uh, I don't know, the special cosmos committee can come in and say, Kajira is not valid because they didn't do it this way or that way, right? Um, I think the whole point of, like, these sovereign chains is, you can build whatever type of company or blockchain or system you want. If you want it to be more of a community chain, like uh, Juno claims to be, or you want to be more of a, um, like a small team, like I think Stargaze is a relatively small team, probably. Um, if you want to be like a big team, but closed source, like Kujira, that's fine. And like you said, though, the beauty of Cosmos is that like a lot of the core pieces are free. So it's going to be relatively easy for new chains to form that provide users with a different, um, a different user experience, a different um, governance uh, mechanism, different levels of centralization versus decentralization. And, um, and then with that comes like a whole layer of like different risk vectors, um, depending on how centralized or decentralized something is, right? So, but I don't think it's necessarily the, the, the case that every single blockchain has to sort of like conform to precise like Satoshi, like Nakamoto coefficients for decentralization, et cetera. 
Like there's a lot of the web two world is a great example is not decentralized, but works just fine for the largest, for like the vast majority of users, say for example, like an Uber or an Airbnb, there are elements of decentralization there. There's also elements of extreme centralization as well. Yeah. I think we'll continue to have centralized orgs. I think centralized um, kind of teams are the only way to create, to, to do kind of innovation where different giftings come together and, and we can innovate through collaboration to, to kind of push, you know, scientific and technical progress as, as well as pro- progress in other domains. Um, and, and so I, I'm not suggesting we, we, you know, these networks are going to replace the role of kind of centralized teams at any scale, small or, or medium or large. I'm, I'm just saying that I think there is going to be an increasing, um, you know, set of these public infrastructure building blocks that start to re- play the role of public institutions that we can trust. Um, because all the records about the past are clean and clear and, you know, the rules about how we um, interact with one another in the future are clean and clear. So social contracts are clean and clear and can scale them to millions and billions. And so I just think this is going to be for, for I mean, for, for something like, um, you know, uh, what would be a good example? Like, like um, I, I don't know, like like a public pension, like you, you, you put the money in, it follows some rules of how it um, you know, uses the funds. It, it shouldn't be off buying highly leveraged derivatives so that managers can make, make off with, you know, with their bonuses. Like, like we got a problem in the UK right now, again, because of centralization and greed. Um, but whereas maybe something that was just rules driven and more t- kind of sustainable would work just fine for a lot of people in humanity in terms of putting money in and kind of taking it out at the retirement age as a, as a, as a set of rules. Um, uh, you know, there are lots of examples like that where we can start to think about public infrastructure building blocks, like the entire banking system and how banks take in deposits and then they lend the deposits to, to people that need to borrow so that people that um, need capital can, can have access to it. Like, that's just a simple rule set, man. Like, Mars Protocol is so much better than any American bank. And here's the thing with the, the banks, because of human greed, um, they get lazy. They don't want to do the work of underwriting. They, 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 they want to become traders. So Citibank and Bank of America and all these big banks, they get these trading departments and these, and these principal investment departments, and then they inevitably blow, them, blow their brains out because of the greed like Credit Suisse is doing right now. And then this important public infrastructure that was supposed to be designed for making capital available to all those at the bottom of the totem pole and need to climb up um, through, through lending. Um, and, and that's kind of a regulated function, and we know we need it in America and in other parts of the world. So it's but it's also it's also because shareholders demand some of those like things. shareholders. Well, that that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And so because shareholders want growth, right? They want um, some risk being taken so that they can kind of increase their value or whatever. Otherwise, why don't they just hold cash, right? But isn't so that, that this is, this too. is actually the per- perfect example though, where you have kind of a public function of of a lending. Um, mechanism um, to balance deposits with with lending, and it doesn't need to to grow aggressively for shareholders. It just needs to be neutral and sustainable. So as it gets to scale, it becomes monopolistic, and then because of the monopoly, you get you know price gouging to benefit the shareholders, and you and you have increasing desire for growth, and they get into subprimes and all this other junk, and and so all you need the thing to do is take in deposits and lend. This is like a piece of public infrastructure that the humanity needs to solve a a, a kind of a social coordination problem. These are the kinds of problems where I think these smart contract modules have such potential and benefit um, and and where we can start to uncouple, you know, both in the the, the corporates and in the governments 
um, where, 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 where things aren't working well with social coordination um, and, and kind of stable institutions. Um, I, I think we can decouple these things and put them on a blockchain. And I'm really hopeful about that. Right on. Yeah, can yeah. I just say something, Steffi? Oh, um, that one sec, yes. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Daniel, I don't know if you're busy. Uh, uh, if you if you have the ability to come up to speak, I had I had some decentralization sort of like questions, generally speaking, uh, that you probably have a unique perspective on. I don't know if you're available right now. Yeah, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, say uh, thank you for this dialogue and pirate. I just want to let you know that I. Uh, I think it was yesterday, you're talking about mushrooms and drawing mushrooms, and I had a dream. <laughs> okay, so you should check in with me about that dream. Okay, and it has to do with distributed networks and mycelium and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Peace out, y'all. Have a good day. Bye. Yeah, you'll sketch later. Uh, Daniel, uh, how are you doing, man? Good and good, man. How are you? Good, good. Like, yeah, just for folks like who don't know who Daniel is, um, Daniel's one of the uh, co-founders of Flux Network, who's like, you know, one of the core visions is essentially uh, uh, creating a decentralized computing infrastructure. Um, and uh, like one subject that came up uh, earlier, uh, Daniel, that I think we talked about before at some point is, um, you know, there's this uh, like, so what happens if a decentralized network is used in some harmful way? Like, for example, uh, some of the AI botnets that you know, emerging to create for all sorts of nefarious purposes, whether they're for market manipulation or other things like, like, do you think that like most of those things, they'll be sort of like the survival, the fittest game. And most of those things will just be a wash. Or do you think there's like, eventually becomes a role where a network like the internet or a government or flux network or something else, somebody else has to periodically like step in and do something about you know, like mysterious, nefarious shit that's going on. Like what's like as a, as a company and as a network, like I'm sure you guys have thought about these things and like, do you have like a, a yeah, I, of this? yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I always tell people this just because it's decentralized doesn't mean it's lawless, you know? So I think, you know, as you know, with flux, with our autonomous organization, XDAO, you know, there's, uh, we allow the community to kind of set the guidelines for 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 different deployment, and you're all, you're a hundred percent guaranteed to get nefarious actors. So this this goes all the way back to what you know Satoshi Nakamoto sat down and talked about. Fifty one percent attacks was to incentivize the individuals participating in the network beyond the ability for them to actually attack the network. There was more value to provide hash rate to the network than there was to attempt a 51% double spend attack where you may or might, may not be successful. And I think true decentralization comes down to the fact you need a community, you need a, a, a team that helps to push uh, incentivization for those individuals participating in the network. So it almost creates this nefarious, you know, um, it takes away from the nefarious undertones. Uh, somebody would rather participate and de develop something uh, uh, that's creative and giving back to the community rather than building something to, you know, run a botnet or something like that. So, you know, it, it, these are the uncomfortable conversations I think that we have to have in decentralization because, you know, the more and more I see it, uh, it we're, we're, we're drawing to uh, both sides of the pendulum. You know, you look at Ethereum and they went to, you know, proof of stake. You look at, uh, you know, who, who is kind of behind that and, and, you know, the VCs, you know, the JP Morgans of the world and so on and so forth. 
So I think we have this really weird time that we're sitting in right now because I think that true decentralized projects are obviously working on the infrastructure that incentivizes people to keep it decentralized. But at the same time, we're being worked against on the opposite side of the pendulum where they're, they're, they're pushing more towards centralization, VCs, large, large centralized exchanges that are controlling you know, t the tokenomics and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it, it's an ongoing conversation that will continue to keep happening, but, but we need to have those uncomfortable conversations now well, well before we need to be proactive, not reactive to these particular things. And I think that's one of the things that Flux has really excelled in as well is incentivizing the community so development on the platform makes more sense than attacking the platform. Yeah, sure. Like, did you happen to catch, by the way, um, this Laura Shin interview with Doquan? I did. did. I started, I, I'm about a quarter of the way through it, and I only wanted to punch the screen like three times. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I want to I, I want to finish watching it because it is curious. He does bring up some very interesting points. Um, you know. I, having been part of that, uh, using that network and like paying attention to the news, I, I found that there was very little that I hadn't already heard before, personally, mm -hmm. um, that wasn't already like in the public domain. I think there's a few points that were made. I think uh, LFG has some transparency paper that they're going to release like in the next few weeks. I think that was news to me. Other than that, I pretty much knew everything else that was said already. There wasn't anything really, really like fresh. Um, a lot of the various random allegations and internet noise was largely just noise out there in the background. And I think Doe sort of addressed some of that. But as a founder, though, like you have to be like anytime something happens to other founders, I'm sure you're sitting there scratching your head going, hmm, like how could this turn out badly for us in some like parallel universe, right? Like, you, like, like what do you guys think of from like as a, as a company from like, uh, like risk management from the perspective of like personal risks to yourself or your other founders? Well, I think when you have a project that's been developed that, you know, 100% of it is, a, is, is essentially a pre-mined centralized project. And then, of course, and, and I'm not speaking ill of, you know, proof of stake or any, anything like that. But I am saying that if that's what TFL was, right? That's exactly what Terra was. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and essentially, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people I don't necessarily know that were, that were completely shocked when this happened. I will tell you, uh, we built out a parallel asset on on the Terra ecosystem because we we did like the technology they were developing. wasn't super wild about their stable asset because it felt like it was created from nothing. And in the end, that's kind of what it ended up being. But but back to your question about being a co-founder, I think if you put yourself in a position where you know a um, hundred percent of the token is allocated to VCs and and sh and shareholders and stakeholders on the platform. Uh, you're you're much more on the hook than someone like me that created a you know we created a proof of work project, you know fairly mined for the community to develop one like on top of Bitcoin. So you know in, in the end we don't really make the 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 really hard hitting decisions for the platform. We allow the community to govern that model. And we'll continue to keep developing out, you know, uh, additional iterations of, a of the autonomous network to allow that. Um, you know, it comes back to this. Uh, you look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin didn't have a marketing and PR team. It didn't have a VC fund. It didn't have, you know, a street, a, a ground team, uh, you know, a paid shills, everything else in the sun. If you wanted to do something in the Bitcoin arena, you went in and you build a product. And, you know, were there you know, questionable people that build on top of Bitcoin. Sure, Charlie Shrem and his the, that whole group, if you don't know the story, go go research it. It's kind of crazy with BitInstance. 
but what that did is that laid the foundational groundwork for Bitcoin to become even greater because with every one of those failures came great success. So, you know, I am I am a firm believer that especially with the Flux community, I'm confident in in the community. Dan could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and the po- project would continue to keep moving forward. I can tell you, there's very few projects in the space that could say the exact same thing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like Sonic, uh, what's up, man? Nothing. Uh, any questions for anybody? I don't know. No. Okay. Uh, I guess just came on to speaker for whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, I got a I got a question for you because I was curious sure. as, I, as I was looking looking through this announcement today about the um, the hell's the name of that project that's launching um, Aptos. So Aptos essentially, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I wanted to get some input on that because like I'm I'm reading this and I'm like, am I did I fall and hit my head because, you know, you're, you're telling me like 80% is owned by VC and other 20% is missing. There's no tokenomics that have been released on the project. All major exchanges are green light in this fucking thing. Like, did I just like go back in time, like Groundhog Day to ICP all over again? Or what, what the hell is happening here? Like, are people actually in a bear market? Uh, are they going to fall for this horse shit? Um, there's always someone to fall for horseshit, that's for sure. But like, uh, I was joking about this. You, uh, we were talking about this earlier, um, where Binance, Coinbase, you know, these big exchanges. Uh, I find it interesting that they listed things like Luna, Rap Luna, uh, UST, and they didn't guarantee uh, one-to-one remittance themselves for those things that they also peddled to stable coins, right? So like. To say that, like, I'm surprised that exchanges are, like, listing something like an Aptos, um, it's almost like, at this point, it's like, uh, there's nothing I can't believe anymore. <laughs> like, like nothing, sho- nothing should shock us anymore is kind of the way I'm looking at it. I don't know. I don't know. We're in a super weird time right now because, you know, like, with ETH moving to, to proof of stake, and now, I mean, you got 51% of, you know, the blocks that are, you know, basically OFAC, you know... It, it's almost like the whole core tenet of why we showed up in this space for decentralization, for community building, for, you know, all these things are starting to go by the wayside and greed and froth, you know, from people like A16Z and, and other VC players in the space. Like, I think, I think they're doing more damage than Doquan could have ever done. You know, like we talk about Doquan because that was a failed product. He, you know, was, he, did he have a shit ton of hubris? Yes, he did. Did he, was it nefarious? I don't know. It, but I can I don't tell think you so. this. I don't having so. talked to him many times, I, I don't find like a nefarious intent at all in that respect. But anyway, yeah, I, I've talked to him many times as well. And I think he um, was a young guy that, you know, worked really hard and almost failed with his vision and had to, you know, convert his company and post, you know, to do mirror protocol and anchor. And he was trying to get take up of UST. He had created it as an idea of an algo stable coin and nobody wanted to use it for the first year. So he worked really hard to build these apps to create demand for it and then just kind of went a little bit too far with that, um, you know, with, with that pattern and it got too big too fast. And he, I think he was intending to try to bring it back to, you know, to normalcy and to, and to make it sustainable, bringing down the anchor yield one and a half percent per month and so forth. Like he, he was trying to get there, but yeah, it, it all got too big too fast. And, you know, it, I, I think of it as a case where. You know, we're, we're building the cathedral and we got a couple of arches too wide and the roof caved in. And 
Got to go back to the drawing board on getting those arches right. Once we get the rules and these protocols to, to kind of work well, we can do something like anchor protocol that will serve humanity for 20 years at the scale of a few hundred million people. Um, it's on the table to deliver and do, and it, it will become sustainable as we figure out the codifying of these rules in these smart contracts to solve kind of public coordination problems. So, yeah. And I, and I think that, that identifying like, you know, a failure of a protocol, uh, you know, th th these things happen. I mean, we're in disruptive technologies. That's why we show up. That's why I wake up every morning is because we're doing things that have never been done before. So wasn't an expensive lesson for everybody that invested in this? Yes, absolutely. 100, 100%. But it's a lesson that we learned and we can, we can iterate and do better next time. I think that what, what Doquan did and, 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 the, and the falling of that, his hubris was definitely an issue. I think if he wouldn't have been as brass as he was, you know, uh, I think it probably wouldn't have been as impactful, but it almost like he, he called down the gods and the gods came. Um, you yeah, know, I, I agree with that. And I've given him the feedback about pride kind of in person. And I'm not sure he's totally learned that lesson yet. You know, I, I think honesty and being direct and honest. And well, he made it kind of like he, he mentioned that with Laura Shin. He's like, well, the thing is, I'm pretty quiet, reserved as an individual personally, but just got into more of the like usual Twitter banter and shit posting, which is very common around here, by the way. Well, so he, it's not he, like he was also it's not like uh, positive leadership to, to kind of because there's a lot of naysayers and there's a lot of people that, um, you know, sling mud. And so you got to kind of stand up as a, as, as a leader in these ecosystems um, to, to kind of present the vision. And so, yeah, it started it's with easy to get it's easy to get into like pissing matches, like in kind of dick measuring contests on Twitter regarding like negativity towards your platform. Cause on the one hand, if you say nothing, right, you look weak, then the people that are on your platform are like, wait a minute, this founder doesn't actually believe in their project. They're not even defending against these, whatever various allegations in the, in the spirit of decentralization, this person is not engaging with the community. Like, look at all these questions people have about this, that, or the other thing, whether it's Anchor or whatever, like, he's not, like, talking about it. On the other hand, if he talks about it, like, many, much of the information he did provide over the, like, a couple of years was fairly, you know, rational, normal stuff. And, like, you know, a lot of people missed many of those things. And in our memory, we remember, like, the most maybe flagrant things he said. <laughs> and so I, I felt like many, many different conversations in spaces and in, in um, like uh, the interviews he's done and things like that, you know, he, he's gone long form over like sometimes an hour plus interviews uh, with lots of different people. And I thought many of them were fairly even pitched as far as like they weren't, you know, he wasn't uh, like some kind of rah-rah cheerleader. But I would admit like the public, like the, the community for Terra really, really wanted him to talk more, right? They were like, they were really liking it because the problem in, in, in DeFi or in general with these ecosystems is like you sort of um, you have a hard time ultimately gaining attention. So you have a great project. You've built something really beautiful, whether it's Flux Network or whatever. And you struggle with this idea of, well, how do I find users that align with this network? And, you know, do I as a founder go and talk about this in some way, shape or form? Um, you know, do I like take responsibility if something bad happens on my network? Like if it's used for something nefarious or, or whatever. Right. Or, and you know, like there is just sort of like in, in the crypto space, especially 
there is just some sort of like danger in, in being sort of a founder. And if you say nothing, you have one set of dangers. If you say something else, people say that it was hubris or like, you know, whatever it is. And I don't know what the middle ground is. I do know that a lot of the people that criticized him for whatever reason have actually been pretty good at being like exerting a lot of hubris in their own right whenever they felt like it. Right. So like it's yeah. easy to it's easy to kick the guy that's down to some extent as well. But I've seen a lot of like shit posting and hubris on Twitter from lots of different projects, like dozens actually, and, and some of which have had some major calamities. Um, yeah, that, that um, actually were just I, as bad, if not worse, than Terra's. Yeah, I think in, that indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a sociological phenomenon. Peter Thiel has an article when he taught the course at Stanford with Blake Masters, um, maybe 15, twelve or fifteen years ago. Um, I'll try to post it on my Twitter, um, where he describes, and he went through this actually when he was um, effectively, you know, fired as CEO at one of the early startups. He, he was kind of in a contest with Elon Musk, and they, yeah, they got crosswise. And I, I've seen probably you know, five or six times in the Valley, this happened where, um, you know, a young, successful startup founder, you know, builds a great success story and, and then something kind of bad happens or it was a little bit too aggressive. It became a little bit too prideful. You know, the VCs were a little bit too aggressive and pumping it up. Like, like Uber would be a good example, I guess. And um, Travis Kalanick, you, you know, in some ways, um, Elizabeth Holmes with, with Theranos, um, the, the, you know, you, you, the, we, we, as a market, as a community, we make this person into like a god is how, is how Peter describes it. And, and then w when things go bad or when, you know, there, there, there are kind of problems or issues down the road, we tear this person off the pedestal and we turn them into like a, a devil and they become like an anti-god. And um, it's this great post that Peter kind of tries to describe this sociological phenomenon, um, which he experienced, which happens again and again and again. You know, which Do, Do Kwan went through um, and is going through. And, and you know, th this, this discussion that we're having now in some ways is, you know, is he a devil, right? Um, well, I mean, uh, let, I mean, let's face it. There is a reason why Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin and then went off into the, you know, the abyss. So we'll, we'll never know who, who they were. Um, you know, essentially, as a as a founder, you 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 have inherent risk. Now, the difference between uh, somebody like me and what I've done with Flux and uh, Doquan is one of the things that the space is unbelievably lacking in is, is senior leadership. Uh, folks that have been in the corporate world understood, you know, uh, just basic fundamental prin principles of you know policies and procedures, the way we engage, the way we act. And that hubris tends to come out because you need to compensate for that lack of, you know, seniority and strategy with something else. And a lot of times it's the hubris. I can tell you, I've never, I never write checks that I can't cash. In other words, you know, I never guarantee more about my ecosystem, our ecosystem as a community uh, than, than what I believe we can do. So if somebody comes in and says, we can take your network down, I'm, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to figure out whether or not that's a, a realistic thing. You know, uh, 20 something year old Dan would have been like, OK, we'll go ahead and uh, you go prove it and then we'll see what happens. Right. So that's kind of famous. So uh, I think as we start to see more senior people coming into the crypto space and the maturity level starts to increase. Um, I think you'll see less and less of these things because somebody behind the scenes tapping Doquan on the shoulder saying, hey, uh, we, this is the shit that we don't say out loud. You can say it internally and you can yeah. figure out what the steps are to mitigate it. 
we, we don't talk about that out in, in, in the open. So one concept, Daniel, that I think Bruce brought up, he's not here right now, but it's like he kind of brought up this idea that like the people around Doe um, and TFL, um, he's sort of like the smart uh, founder genius. Uh, and, you know, obviously he's like credibly educated and everything else. Uh, so he's a bright guy. And what happened like in in some ways is that maybe those like the same people that would be exactly who you're talking about, like the mature uh, head of head in the room that would come back and say, no, you really need to do this. Like think about like a corporate board. Right. Mm -hmm. um, those people were not really there. And uh, like uh, the worry was that there were too many yes men in the room and not enough mm -hmm. people that uh, like, you know, counterbalance that. Now, the flip side to that is there is a tendency for boards to sometimes be uh, short-sighted with really, really visionary people as well. Like they will worry too much about like the risks of the system and not enough about the, like the future vision of that system. Like uh, the famous, probably the most famous version of this was like what happened to Steve Jobs, right? Like that's the, like, it's the one everyone holds up and, and to talk about saints and sinners when Steve died, the um the the number of people who knew who Steve Jobs was at the time of his death exceeded the number of people that knew any particular deity on the planet. Like more people knew who Steve Jobs was than like uh, like I don't know like a so, prophet so, Muhammad or like uh, so a Jesus. That's how many people you're knew who Steve me back was. in time. Yeah. Um, I remember walking by his house in Palo Alto where the memorial was, and it was spilling out down like half of a city block with flowers and um you know and and um teddy bears and kind of all the things that people bring when someone has passed on and they're and they're and they're setting up a memorial um yeah it, it was mind-blowing but it it goes to the point about saints and sinners because he was torn off the pedestal and absolutely demonized earlier in his career when he was younger um so in yeah he kind of he he kind of did a lot of that to himself as well uh steve jobs was for all intents and purposes quite the asshole and i and i would, really was <laughs> i can i can say that because i'm a founder too and i get it you know i understand why he had he kind of took that that uh, i mean to aggressively move disruptive technology forward and really what apple was doing was just disruptive tech so, and some of the stuff his personality wasn't even about the tech he's just fucking an asshole like no I, I mean I, I met steve multiple times and and my my experience with him was much like you know with bill gates and other folks is is they know you know they know who they are and they know what they can do. And they're very, they have a lot of hubris about them and, and, you know, but make no mistake. Uh, I think we're in such a weird time right now because I think a lot of the individuals that are developing in the, in the, in, in the blockchain ecosystem and the crypto ecosystems are, are, are refugees from legacy finance. So there's two things working in the background, uh, blockchain and decentralization and projects that are building on that. They're going through a growth period where they, they need to get that senior, uh, input to, to advise them to be able to have them grow appropriately and not run into a such a situation like Tara had. And at the same time, you have those refugees from legacy finance who are building a juggernaut on the sideline specifically to go after those projects. So, you know, what I think you're witnessing one of the things right now, you know, uh, what what happened with Doquan in the community was unfortunate. But what Andres Horowitz is doing and JP Morgan and those folks, they it is way more detrimental. It's almost like a red herring. Look over here at what happened to Terra Luna and all along in the background, they're building the next version of what they believe, you know, 
uh, crypto blockchain and Web3 should be. So, you know, we've got to be very we've got to be very cautious because we're at a very weird time right now. This could make or break, you know, decentralization and crypto as we know it. I mean, there's some there's some scuttlebug around, you know, basically a, a, a universal bit license all across the United States. I mean, that's fucking terrifying to me. I mean, that that is that is the big players in the space starting to win. So, you know, we need to get off of these tribalistic, you know, uh, th- this tribalistic scenario where our bags are the greatest bag and we need to stop. We need to start working as as teams. And, I, and when I say as teams, like literally working with other projects, developing with other projects that are working in the space and, and continuing to build it out, because if we don't do that, if we don't build that infrastructure and if we don't start to develop and, and depend on each other, you can you can guarantee that they're going to continue to keep building and they'll take they'll take it right out from under. Can I say something about dope? So yeah, um, what, uh, what I think basically uh, is Doe Quadden, he's a young guy, right? So and he's an intelligent young leader. And normally these people are very often overconfident in their abilities and, and the amount of experience they need to be successful. So I think they, this can easily lead to make poor decisions, not being prepared for these challenges that they can face, right? But on the other hand, I mean, um, I don't see that he ha- has shown any behavior uh, that could, where well, anyone could derive some malintent from, right? So uh, if you look, for example, at Solana, at Yakovenko, right? Uh, San Francisco, like uh, Palipatia is behind him as a VC, right? So they really know what they do. And when it comes to liquidation, someone gets a bug in the blockchain and they kick the plug out of the socket. You know, I mean, I'm watching these things and I know exactly what they're doing. So they're not getting liquidated on their silly protocols. You know? Let me see here. I think uh, there's a couple of other questions from people or something. We're just kind of hanging out today. Um, are you on it? Are you there? Are you on it? Any thoughts? questions for anybody i think some people just like push the speaker button when they hop on no we're just having fun all right ariana you had any questions or no mo what's up moonshot moonshot you there everyone's ignoring yeah it's weird like <laughs> had someone on and can't tell if they're it's a technical problem or what no, I just think they're shy. I think that um, they're in the presence of the the flux guy, and they're like, you know, they're like getting a bit nervous. Their hands are sweaty, <laughs> and they're trying to press the unmute button, but their fingers are slipping <laughs> off their phone. <laughs> uh, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> in crypto, uh, what's up? Hey, Sefi, thanks for having me up. Um, so I just listened to the interview on Unchained with Doe. And I had some questions because previously he had talked about an insider uh, in his previous interview after the crash that he suspected of doing some nefarious things with inside information at a time when they were most vulnerable. But in the more than hour discussion he had with Unchained, he didn't talk about any of that plot anymore. So I'm wondering if that's been debunked or if he just doesn't have any more proof or doesn't want to talk about it. Or, yeah, or illegally cannot talk about it. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, it's probably not something he can legally get into without creating problems for himself or the team or whatever. Well, I wonder if Laura was asked not to ask that question, but it seemed like she was able to ask a lot of sensitive questions. But, uh, I mean, 
I think she or she just might have she might have just missed that one or whatever. For sure. But I mean, for me, that seemed to be a pretty important one, because in the previous interview, it was like, well, we believe somebody inside uh, TFL brought us down when we were vulnerable. And they went on about that in the first interview. But in this in this recent interview, not a word was spoken about it, which for me just seemed. But here's like, I don't know if you missed the conversation I had earlier today, but like, so this is the this is exactly what I think about. Like, so when it comes to teams, there's no absolute guarantee that every member of every team that's going to be in DeFi is going to be a positive actor. Him, you know, I've been seeing it around quite a bit now um, regarding his like arrest warrant and whatnot. And I'm going to kind of show you guys on screen. Like I have an article from Ben Zinga. Um, you know, Do Kwan is on the run and Lindsay is on a run is surging 40%, which is actually pretty impressive, meaning it's up 40% literally 24 hours. Uh, which I'm actually very surprised at considering Do Kwan is currently, I think, wanted by like 195 different police departments. Because um, it was found out that for those that don't know, Do Kwan, the founder and CEO of Luna, which tanked and crashed tremendously. Um, I won't touch base on Luna and what happened with that. I made a video a while back on it. So if you guys are interested, I'll link it down below. But anyways, Do Kwan basically was cashing out large sums of money from Terra Luna itself over into Bitcoin. Um, and he was doing, I believe, I think uh, in the article specifically, they mentioned $67 million a day before his arrest warrant from, I believe, South that wasn't, Korea. That wasn't Doe doing Now, I'm going to make sure to leave this article down below in the, the description for those that want to concern on it and know a little bit more information. But I wanted to kind of discuss on what that's basically going to do for crypto because I've been in crypto since like 2018, 2019. Um, and I know a lot of people out there have been as well. And there's a lot of people out there that are new to crypto also. And you guys may not know too, too much about it yet. You may already do, obviously, have NFTs, things like that. Talking. But I think that kind of tainted crypto tremendously. Moonshot, bro. Moonshot, bro. Moonshot, Moonshot. Are you reading off the cue cards? Like, calm down, bro. Um, and that's just going based off the past cycles so of and what's happened with the crypto market. Sammy, can you mute it? And everything just... With the economy I'm trying to figure and out if he's everything that's going on in today's day, in today's day world, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think a lot of people. Fuck it. What, what the <laughs> fuck was that about? Like, I sitting there, like, reading his like, life stories, like, best video. I, like, Jesus Christ. That was so yeah, strange. Welcome to DeFi. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> I think we've already covered all of this. But yeah, the, the point he was making about 64 to 67 million of um, like LFG and other like BTC and Terra funds being used sort of like for either for peg defense or otherwise. This was what I was trying to make a point about earlier. There's actually no way to actually demonstrate where those funds went exactly once you go off chain, even or and, and even more particular, like trying to figure out what the intent of the movement of various funds is going to be very difficult to um, like clarify. I think Laura Shin brought it up a little bit he actually he kind of semi skirted around what actually happened there uh, because again like uh, is there sort of like a, a, a legal impact to himself or others uh, so yeah it, this is the problem in the DeFi space is when funds are moved uh, around you are in an unregulated domain um, I think if you want to go to a regulated domain I got news for you go to centralized finance and go play over there right like all this nonsense like people complaining about this that and the other thing. Um, there's always a risk of insider trading, insider events, 
um, in any sort of like semi quasi decentralized system. Uh, Terraform Labs in particular has always been particularly centralized. Um, and that was a well-known sort of like risk vector of the Terra ecosystem. Like that was anybody with half a brain with any amount of money in this ecosystem, like knew this, like right up front. So it was like well-published, lots of different YouTube videos on it and everything else. So, and then without a full audit uh, in theory of where all those different funds went, um, you're not going to know whether there was some kind of nefarious uh you know, sort of like theft of some kind or whatever. Well, now, the didn't thing they is, say like, they're releasing an audit? Like, uh, well, like L- that's, that's the LFG audit, which is like specifically the Luna Foundation Guard audit of like where they're going to show, like where they disperse funds, um, like for the Luna Foundation Guard for the PEG maintenance fund, right? But that's the funny thing. Like, guess what, guys? There is nothing about LFG that was on chain. And what TFL did with their own funds in order to produce LFG by selling large quantities of Luna over the counter, that was their business. I got news for you. Like people have a hard time understanding what they're investing in and who they're investing with. If you have Apple, for example, and you buy their stock and Apple decides to spend a billion dollars on R&D for some project, that's Apple's business to do this, right? They have a board or whatever they could argue like and vote down some sorts of like measures. but uh, for the most part, when you go to a centralized organization like a Terraform Labs and you invest with them, it's really, really simple. They have control over lots and lots of the money and can do all sorts of things. The amount of value, actually, if, if like, let's say that Do Kwan wanted to steal some money, $67 million or whatever is just a joke compared to how much he could have stolen. Uh, not even stolen, how much TFL's central wallet was actually worth. He could have just simply said, well, TFL is my company. I am going, and I'm the leading, um, you know, person behind it. If he wanted to really cash out a billion dollars of like Luna from TFL and dump on everybody, he could have easily done this. Like this idea that somehow he's going to like scam you for $64 million is just retard talk. And that's just like crypto amateurs. And these are the exact same people that are going to be wrecked in crypto again, because they don't know how finance works. They don't know how like any of this works and they're coming up to the wrong conclusions of what actually happened. Um, and like, yeah, a lot of the stupid questions on Twitter are just largely just stupid. Like they have no basis in any reality. Like if I wanted to steal from you, like, and I was at TFL, like I could easily have um, simply just sold TFL Luna. Like why the hell would I need to got to do all these weird, like, um, you know, side practices or whatever. It's just nonsense. Yeah, I don't know. Chugs, does that make sense? Like, Oh no, I completely agree with you. It was just, uh, yeah, just it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just amusing the whole like how it's still going on. Do you know what I mean? And I understand it's hard to kind of verify anything at this point because, like you said, once it's off chain, it's off chain. How the fuck do you verify anything without literally doing well, a deep dive? Well, I know what's going on. Like some significant portion of the human race is just either idiotic or just sociopaths or psychopaths. So like you'll get all sorts of nonsense on Twitter, and and some people have like some serious obsessive compulsive disorders too. So. The fact that they'll post over and over and over and obsess about something is not a shock either. If you've been around here long enough, you'll notice like you have a very (laughs) wide range of human behavior on Twitter. Yeah, it's just, it is is what it is. Welcome to me. (laughs) (laughs) Regarding the cashing out of funds, I, I think that Laura Shin pointed out some really good points though, where there were literal months at TFL where they were getting 3 million Luna a month that was going yeah, project into, done. 
Yeah, no, that was that was an area where it could have been sensitive for moving some funds around in the hundreds of millions. Um, you know, and that made a lot of sense to me the way that Laura was asking it. And though sort of refused to to let her know who got that money, where it went and, and what happened to it. So that seemed a little bit curious. Uh, well, he, he said it was largely TFL employees, right? Like who else would have gotten it? Either himself was, or TFL. Yeah, TFL employees were getting up to 300 million in, in a month uh, for, for their salaries, but then also some investments. And, and that happened for several months in a row. Uh, that's a hell of a lot of money to be yeah. moving around mm-hmm. to single people. Imagine yeah, though, he, imagine working for TFL then. <laughs> yeah, he addressed that. It'd be no different than like if Flux goes to $100 and Daniel gets rich and now his employees expect to be like, you know, uh, like who, who stuck with you for the entire time expect to get paid in that higher valuation. I understand what he's saying. It, it's the same thing like if you, if you own like shares of a stock or something like that, a stock options in a company and you're an employee there or whatever, right? So there's a lot of examples of this type of thing. So well, I, I get startups, it. But... Doesn't it like Sefi? Like most of the time startups will come in, they'll, uh, they'll start the business up. They'll go, you're not going to be paid a lot right now. But if this shit explodes, then boom, we're going to take care of you. And that just sounds like what he did to be fair. Yeah. I mean, if realistically, is a company going to sell their shares at the bottom and push the market down even further? They're going to sell at the top, somewhere in the middle. Like the reality is like, there's no great time to do this. And actually, Project Don funds were actually being released like on a month. I think it was a monthly or weekly. I don't remember what it was, but it was, a, it was like it wasn't all at one time. It was uh, over the course of a period of time so that it doesn't create like immediate um, sell pressure with massive amounts of funds. But remember, like here's the thing. TFL had 50 over 50 percent of all the Luna out there, right? Like Project Dawn was like a tiny, tiny little fraction, right? Of the uh, of the total Luna pool that they had. It was basically worth almost nothing compared to the totality of it. So if someone, if they wanted to walk out with more, guess what guys, that's the coin you bought. It's as simple as that. Like this idea that somehow it was like Project Dawn or whatever, it wasn't in their purview to sell whatever amount of coins they wanted to. They could sell whatever they wanted. That's their coins. Like that's what that's that's the whole tokenomics of the thing. And it's just it is what it is. Like so, a lot of people got Luna and maybe didn't understand the tokenomics, which shocker. Um, but uh, like it was just normal to me. To, like the Project Don thing, I kept seeing all this fud about it. I'm like, guess what? Like I'm glad it's not more than that. That's all I had. That's the only thing I could think of during that time. Yeah, and I don't want to come out like naive uh, or, or negative on compensation. I, I, I think everyone no, no, I get compensated. I wanted to just make sure that we weren't just pointing at sixty-seven million over here when there were three hundred million a month over there. Um, but yeah, the sixty-seven million. My point is like, this is like like little tiny potatoes comparatively. Like, why would he suddenly become a a thief for sixty-seven million dollars when okay. he had the opportunity to take you know like be worth billions or whatever. And one last thing for Yusefi, uh, he did, Doquan did say he distanced himself from any control over Lunk right now. And he said he has no responsibility for that and he's disassociated with that. But he didn't do the opposite where he talked, he didn't talk much about what he's doing with Luna 2.0, what his, what his plans are, you know, what his goals are. He talked about some pet projects that he had, but he didn't necessarily give a lot of information about the future of Luna itself. That kind of Left the, yeah, the hints and the tweets and retweets from him suggest that some they're working on some dApps or something in the background to uh, bring some uh, utility to the Terra version two chain. Um, whether those are 
going to be great or not. I have no idea. Like who, who the hell knows? Um, but yeah, he, he, I mean, I, I look at it from like, I talked about this earlier. Like if you look at how he renamed the two chains, he made the old chain, which had the broken tokenomics um, and the hyperinflation. He renamed it like Luna Classic. And then, in, which he shouldn't have done. He should have left the original chain with the original name Luna. Why? Because like, what the hell? It's so confusing, right? Like he should have just left it alone and just created a new chain. But to me, he already sort of named his daughter after Luna. And I think what it was is like, he was emotionally attached to that name at that point. And he wanted to make a fresh chain, a fresh project with the, the name of like the project he was intending to work on. And so to me, that was kind of a tell that, um, you know, of what some of his intentions might be for the, the new chain. Now, like some of us like got airdrops, of course, because um, we had funds on Luna Classic. Now we have like a Luna airdrop and it has a long vesting period, as you guys know, like most of it will be vested uh, through like next year. I think end of next year, most of it will be released. Um, and, uh, and I think a lot of people who have that airdrop and who have substantial value still in that system um, are interested in having number go up. Obviously, we we want you know stuff to be produced on Terra V two, and we want it to be successful. Um, and actually, there's no reason for it not to be successful. It is a fully functioning Cosmos chain, like I mentioned before. Like it does, it's a fully upgraded, fully functioning chain with act, like functioning governance and everything else. So um, it's it's it can be as as successful as any other cosmos chain at this point it doesn't have any of the baggage um of like any kind of ust pegging mechanism you can do whatever the heck you want with it it has a that has an inflationary model uh that ensures that validators are paid um whereas luna classic does not have that model at this point like if the if Luna Classic, the community pool runs out of money, like I'm not sure exactly how validators get paid. So that's still an open question. People are trying to figure out um, and people are arguing about. Um, but yeah, I think Terra V2, if it's successful in some way uh, and that can deliver some sort of residual uh, DeFi experience or value to users, I'm all for that. I'm, like I have plenty of it. I want it to do well. <laughs> like that's my take on it. Yeah. And I, I've been a full on lunatic for a long time now also a cosmonaut uh, along with you on cosmos but would you put the same disclaimer on luna 2.0 as you just did on the luna classic or essentially the the luna experience that we all went through where you said hey guys that's the coin you bought you know so the, the, yeah, the, the, second, the founder could have rubbed you the whole time and, yeah yeah luna 2 um the, what's different about it by the way is one is the distribution didn't include um, like no airdrop was given to TFL, which previously owned like 50% of the Luna. Um, that's not to say that Doquan himself didn't receive an airdrop. I'm sure he had his Luna wallet and he got an airdrop as a result of that or whatever. I don't know if he's going to sell or which wallet's his or whatever the hell, right? But um, at the end of the day, yeah, I think um, like uh, there is still this likelihood that over the course of the next year, the token is going to be sold as vesting periods like play out um, and all of that. Like, but at the same time, like this chain does not have like a TFL run centralized pool anymore. So that is what it is. Like uh, either that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a good thing. If you think, well, it's a bit more decentralized than it was before. It's a bad thing. If you like centralized pools, right? Because centralized money pools mean that there's money to be spent 
on encouraging developers uh, and all of those kinds of uh, ideas, right? Like the community pool can be uh, beneficial in some ways because if you don't have capital to in, introduce, like like entice developers to come into your ecosystem, um, you know, you, you can't like bootstrap development as quickly either. So I, I guess it is what it is. I don't know. We'll see how, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, like, uh, encrypted, do you have a, a particular view on this? Like, what do you want to see Terra V2 become? And like, what would make it impressive to you? Well, I want it, I want it to be a, a smart contract, Web3, you know, store of value chain uh, with applications, uh, DeFi, you know, NFTs, a community. I think the, the community won't be hard to rebuild because I'm still a part of that community in, in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to be a competitor to, you know, other chains, Ethereum, uh, Solana, uh, other Cosmos chains, and take its rightful place as a great user experience and a, a great chain with vision and something daring to do something that is decentralized and, you know, challenge the status quo. Yeah, I think what most of us haven't figured out is what the killer dApp is, killer application is going to be for the particular chain, right? That's what's 100%. Missing. So I think uh, if, you know, TFL's smart developers, um, and these were actually very, it's a very smart group of people. Like what happened to Terraform Labs, and I'm sorry, what happened to Luna and UST was more of a financial failure than it was some kind of chain failure or whatever. There, everything worked technically as it should, and it failed within that domain as it should have based on external financial constraints. This was not one of these deals where like TFL was an incompetent group of uh, developers and, and, and you know, there was a bug or a hack or something like this. Nothing like that happened. It actually functioned. The team was very, very credible in terms of their building capabilities, their ability to deliver, um, you know, uh, products and such. I didn't agree with all of them. Like I wasn't a huge like fan that Mirror Protocol, for example, would do well long term, but whatever. But their ability to actually create products um, and create them in a secure way where you're not getting hacked every five minutes, that was definitely um, a plus side. Um, but at the same time, like at this point, is the CFL have something under in their like magic hat or whatever? They're going to pull a rabbit out and like create some sort of new, amazing new product that no one's thought of. Eh, I'm not so sure about that. Like, there's only so many things with finance that you can create. There's only so many different machines you can produce, and there are definite competitors uh, coming into Cosmos with DYDX, with uh, with Say Network, and a few other like. Some of the order book based platforms, you have Kajira, which is a liquidation platform. You have Juno, which is kind of a Cosmos chain. You have Stargaze, which is an NFT chain. So the app chain thesis, like if it continues to play out, um, you know, many chains may not have to have very many things in their ecosystem. And Cosmos at large becomes just a big ecosystem. Um, and like individual app chains become the norm as opposed to like how Luna worked, which is like, okay, you build this chain and then there's a bunch of dApps that happen on top of it. So yeah, the, I, I think Terra in particular, because of its colossal collapse, um, I, I think it probably increased the awareness towards app specific chains and also multi-chain uh, like uh, the the ability to sort of accept money from more than one source. So like if you're like, I don't know, uh, Stargaze, for example, you want to buy an NFT. 
it would make more sense for your wallet to be able to hook up and let you spend any coin you have as opposed to uh, only the Stargaze token. Why? Because like not everyone wants to hold lots of Stargaze or maybe they hold Atom, but they got to convert to Stargaze in order to buy the NFT. You create this huge high friction process for people to convert money and you basically just slow economic activity down, right? So I think that's sort of like the, the, the thing in Cosmos. Is Terra going to create for itself like a niche in that sort of global ecosystem? That remains to be seen. Exactly. And, you know, half of my Stargaze NFT collection was financed by Gains on Luna via Osmo uh, and the other tokens. That's why it just fits so well together. Those were the good exactly. days. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The okay, good old days. <laughs> um, uh, TSN, uh, did you have any comments, questions while you're here? Yeah. Um, I, I was just looking at the... Um, the the chat which drew me in actually, Doquan Saint Arsena. I think probably both, because as has the community learned from the mistakes is made, so is that going to affect the governance going forward for the new Terra Luna project? I don't know if 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 that's gonna work. Um or are people too burnt with it? Will it ever grow to that scale again? But, but I don't know what are your thoughts. You can can Terra grow to the scale that it was before? You mean in terms of market cap? Yeah, in terms of market cap, and actually in terms of the governance process. So that's well, what I'd I'd like to see in sort of the development and advancement of that technology in terms of governance. And is the rest of the ecosystems on other projects? So Ethereum, everybody else. Are they going to learn from that mistake? Is it actually going to advance crypto going forward? Is it going to spur that this mistake is never going to happen again? Um, yeah, there's different sort of angles to this. One is uh, many chains can and will create, number one, their own stablecoin networks. So, for example, Kajira is creating one or has created one stablecoin uh, you have uh, like uh, USDC coming to the cosmos directly. You have um, in the and that's going to be in the form of, I believe, a consumer chain on Cosmos Hub. Possibly, you have Axelar USDC as well. Uh, you're going to have a variety of stablecoin projects that are very hyper local, very very small scale. That I think will open all over the cosmos. That's highly likely. Um, and then what will what will happen with like um, in terms of growth of Terra is, or any chain on the cosmos, how big can it really get, right? That's gonna be an important question. And maybe it's possible that none of them can get very big because all of them cannibalize each other's market caps. And um, and also, uh, uh, cosmos is interesting too, by the way, in that if you haven't noticed, like it only takes a couple of weeks to start up your own blockchain. It doesn't take much effort. I, I like cosmos. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to produce a new chain that you have to ask yourself, like, you know, it's easy to horizontally scale and and increase computational power with Cosmos that um, it's quite possible that, like, it's going to cannibalize almost all of the other ecosystems in DeFi in the sense that, like, okay, a near protocol or a, I don't know, Cadena or Hathor network, there's any number of other layer ones, right? But I'm not saying that those can't be successful, 
But if you can spin up a Cosmos chain in a couple of weeks, is a VC, a venture capitalist going to decide to go today and invest in Terra V2 or in, you know, go buy some near tokens? Or are they more likely to say, wait a minute, hold on. All I have to do is go and like spin up a new chain, uh, put a decent product on it, and I can 10x this thing in no time. Right. So here's the problem. I, I think it's yeah. become commoditized. Layer one chains have become commoditized relatively cheap to produce and the amount of computational and transactional value um that these things ha can extract has been like democratized to the point where it's like can you really make any money on that right so yeah a lot is uh, a lot of things i'm, I'm an old guy so uh, uh, from my background i started in mining i moved on to nodes i then moved on to sort of flux looked at other projects but i like to see infrastructure in a project i like to see it going in the right direction I, and i you like, actually you like investing in the infrastructure it's the infrastructure but i also like the cross connection between the infrastructure and the spotting of the project so so i like flux because it sort of picked up the definitions between Kadena coming in then you've got other projects and you've got like 10p other other idea other ideas or applications that can make a difference so i, I can see in pre-search as well I like pre-search um but then if i look at some projects i just see nfts and i see and if I'd term it as a bad NFT. So I, I think of NFTs as like images, but it's not an image. It's a token, um, and and that's the promise of the technology. So how do we move ecosystems to sort of collide, including sort of POS ecosystems like Cosmos joining Flux or joining other infrastructures? rather than competing against them, because I think the shit coins are going to lose out pretty quick. Actually, briefly, uh, some of the infrastructure of, like, the front end of Terra was actually starting to get run on Flux before it crashed. So, like, yeah, Flux, you could run, like, your front ends, like, your, in other words, your website for your actual protocols, things like that. So, yeah, because there's different layers for decentralization. There's the yeah, exactly. back end, the chain. And, of course, for, yeah, for people that don't understand, like, the website itself could be shut down by an authority if that's not decentralized, right? Not just the coin or whatever. So that's where place, you know, that's where Flux and uh, uh, like Akash uh, on, which is another Cosmos project. That's where those come in as well. So you can deploy your sites in a place that can't be shut down. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this and like, yeah, the decentralization and there's gonna be different sort of like pieces of the puzzle that get put together ultimately. Um, yeah, things are progressing like in the way that tech things usually do um, in order for like a few big winners to emerge, like lots and lots of experimental projects and lots of chains will die along the way or just become completely, um, not necessarily die, but like nobody cares about them, right? So just kind of, pump and dumps and things of that nature until they dissipate to zero as like the energy is gone. So yeah, that's, that is like the only, th the, the way you detect, uh, if you want to be really like conservative with your money, you want to say, okay, I want to only buy things that are, um, like have proven themselves. One is like, you probably want to wait something like five years after the emergence of a project and then consider investing in it. Um, and two, like, 
once you have one pump and dump, that's fine. But the next pump and dump, like two, three, four years down the line, needs to be much bigger and result in a, a base price that's much higher. And like creating a higher high and a higher low on like a yearly time frame tells you that a, a, a project has something really, really going for it. And that's when you start saying to yourself, well, this is probably more blue chip. Um, it's, it has this behavior. And actually, the thing is like Luna in terms of price action was exhibiting a lots of these types of behaviors in terms of like growing network growth, low, you know, Lindy effects and like, um, you know, exponential increase in transactions and wallets and this and that and the other thing, right? So it actually was exhibiting a lot of those things uh, when it crashed. So even if you did like a lot of research and you, you, you were really thought you were picking a project that was really good, it didn't prevent um, a calamity necessarily from happening, unfortunately. So, I, I, you know, I don't know, like, what is the next big thing? I don't know. But like, there are several uh, interesting projects that are coming to Cosmos. I think the most notable are DYDX, um, SEI, both of which are heavily like venture capital backed, I might add. So uh, take that for what that's worth. And then there's Celestia, which is kind of a modular blockchain concept with um, backed by a variety of people, which is meant to be complementary to Cosmos as well. Um, so yeah, several substantial projects are coming. Um, so I, I think uh, from a risk benefit ratio, like I would watch for some of these really, really early things where you can get involved with uh, a lot more asymmetric upside. Um, and that's the benefit of hanging out like during a bear market and when things are bad is because you hopefully will pick up on things uh, while not only like nobody's paying attention, but also while like capitals on the sidelines and hiding. DYDX, would it deploy directly on Atom or on which chain? No, they're producing their own chain. All right, so they're making their own, own ICB compatible chain, right? And they're still yeah. using the right. token? And so there will be an, an, an East Bridge token or what, what they're going to do? Do you have any info on that? They'll probably just have their own fresh token. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. That's interesting. And I'm not advocating necessarily buying it or whatever. I'm just saying, like, these are projects that are coming. They uh, they solve a specific problem, which is an on-chain order book problem with sufficient right, market maker liquidity. Hi, what's up? Um, I was just asking, in your opinion, I've, I've done um, my research, but I always like to get other people's opinion. In terms of decentralized um, exchanges that offer leverage and stuff like that, I um I know there's Posi Exchange, DYDX, and a few others, but uh, which one would you say you uh, you uh, trust the most? Mm, yeah, there's there's GMX also, which is kind of relatively new and has had certain issues. Um, as far as trusting them, I'm not sure. I have not been using any of them yet. Um, I'm I've been largely waiting till they um, uh, number number one. I don't do a lot of you know, leverage trading in the first place. So to me, like the use case is less um, of a big deal. Uh -huh. uh, the second thing is uh, um, I'm waiting for some of those to emerge, uh, those types of systems to emerge in the Cosmos ecosystem. There are very, very specific financial products that I want to have created. And I have specific ideas of how to make them. Um, and like they revolve around um, sort of like grid bot trading, 
related to like um, auto compounding uh, synthetic assets, um, like for example, um, like a uh, what's it called, like a quicksilver atom or something like that, right? So you want to be able to get the benefit of like trading volatility. Uh, you want to get the benefit of auto compounding yield earning coins. And you want to do so at like high tax efficiency. So these are done within vaults. Um, they're very, very specific sort of like products I'm looking for. And when someone makes that, I'll be ready to use it. Does that make sense to you? And like, yeah. so until, and right now, like what we need to have low fee infrastructure for bot trading is you need an order book based mechanism within Cosmos, which has cheap, uh, cheap fees. And I think, um, uh, like if DYDX or SEI is able to accomplish this properly, then there's a basis for uh, like some on-chain mechanisms that may be more interesting than using like, for example, like a KuCoin or a Binance or something like that. So yeah, did there's you, definitely did, things Did coming. you see that uh, DYDX on the Reddit? It looks like probably about a month ago now, but like they were severely hacked. Um, did you see that? No, no, I haven't followed them at all. Yeah, it's not on the news, but if you if you go to Reddit, um, you'll see that uh, they were definitely uh, there was a security breach of the user's um, information, and um, I believe that's why they're switching to Cosmos. Um, so I guess if you don't know anything about it, well, Cosmos's switch um, has to do also with the fact that like EVM um, is not particularly as powerful as Cosmosm as far as smart contracts. That's one thing. And um, second thing is like on a Cosmos a native chain where they have their own chain, the transaction fees, um, they're not having to pay to outsiders like the Ethereum network, right? So the beauty of being on Cosmos is, is that like you can keep as a company or a, a project, you can keep a greater proportion of the actual um, like income from the actual trades. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the Uniswap and stuff like that. Yeah, like you, you've used Uniswap, like where, like when, when Ethereum used to get really, really busy, remember like how ridiculously priced Uniswap trading fees were? Yeah, I would make money, but then all the money would go to the fees. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it would be fine if you were a whale, but it sucked if you were a little guy, right? So yes. that's the kind of problem that um, you won't necessarily have on Cosmos. All right, all right. Well, thank you for your knowledge. I appreciate that. Yeah, MP3, what's up, man? Yo, baby, how you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. What you doing? Awesome. I'm on, I'm on my lunch break, so I have to keep it short, but I've been listening to you the whole break. Um, good stuff, by the way. Um, I'm super bullish, and I want to get your opinions on it maybe later when I come back to see you sometime. But, dude, I'm keeping my eyes up on Crow, and I'm saying this because they released their smart contract platform at the end of the bull run, so they never actually got a fair shot at Shining yet. And I think Crow's definitely going to, be great especially if you could stake it at four percent that's not much but it's great um now i fuck with solana a little bit and i i tested out the phantom wallet i gotta say i'm not a fan uh when you stake your when you stake your solana on the phantom wallet it's it's not compounding daily um and that makes me super bullish on smaller smart chain projects that are now decentralized like um my favorite elron which never gets talked about on these spaces and it, it's such a hidden gem as real use case people um more than three thousand stores in romania are using it as cash you could you could pay for shit 
with Elrond. Um, yeah, I own I own a chunk of Elrond, by the way. Oh, um, so it is uh, it but, is interesting. Why, why I love Elrond is it, it's everything Solana is plus a peer to peer transaction. You know, like it. A lot more is going on with Elrond than people give it credit for, and the market cap's so fucking low compared to all these coins that are are. Nuts. Yeah, they recently uh, they, they recently announced that collaboration with uh, the the web browser. Um, what's it called? Uh, oh damn Brave? it! Um, no, Not Brave right. is Brave is with the Bat token. Um, right. What's the What's the? I'm not oh, sure. Man, it starts with. Uh, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant. Yeah, there's a web browser they teamed up with. I forget the name of it. You'll recognize it the minute you hear the well, name. It's well, not anyways, Chrome like more, but. more about Elrond, though, is that if you ever were to download the, the wallet, uh, since I'm in the U.S., I can't buy Elrond directly through the wallet or BNB, but um, you can buy it through, you know, crypto.com or whatever and send it over. And, dude, the, uh, the daily compounded staking option on there is just super user-friendly. Anybody that's brand new to crypto could pick up on it. And you're staking at 11 to 12% APY. Right now, it's down to 9 APR. It's down to 9% during the air market. But, uh, dude, I, I fucking I dig the platform. It's super user-friendly. User you could download the app through your phone number, like PayPal. You know, you, I mean, definitely keep the seed phrases, but you don't yeah, actually it's got one it. of the more. It's got one of the more interesting wallets that MyR Wallet it has. It has a nice overall yeah. interface. Um, they could definitely do more with this. They're kind of slow in making like any near serious updates to it, but it works. I, I, th I think what they're going to do is launch a bunch of uh, FOMO at the beginning of the uh, bull market, like they did in 2020. Uh, and they're they're very progressive. So I I don't don't sleep on Elrond during the bull run in 2024. I guarantee you they're coming out. Um, also, the last project I want to talk about is Algo. Uh, not that it's not known of, but because of so much. With it, with it being around the SEC, it's it's approved, you know, along with four, uh, three other tokens, I think. But they're the only one that's not tied in with the government that's, that is decentralized, um, you know, and they don't have to face the battles that XRP is facing. And I, I really look into the tokenomics as well, but um, I, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about their music NFT platform coming out, and I'm super interested about that. But yeah, that's all I have to say about those. That's what I'm super bullish on that are safe holds for me. Yeah, I don't know. Algo I used to have, like we, our family used to own some, but uh, I don't know, like it, they're kind of boring. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like um, I, I'm not sure that I've seen anything that blew me away as like um, so dramatically important that they would beat, say, for example, a simple Cosmos um, app chain. Like at this point, like why would I want to to be a layer two solution on a platform when it's so easy to become a layer one. Like this is my biggest concern with, with the DeFi um, and just general like chain layer one uh, sort of landscape, right? It just doesn't make sense when it's so cheap. Like when you can literally spend, and here's the thing when intra-chain security opens in January on Cosmos hub, the barrier to entry for you to start your own blockchain is really low. Like we're talking about like in terms of fees and everything else, we're talking about like spinning up a blockchain within a week, right? Like, like this, and you can do so over and over and over again. So the transactional values on any given layer one, I think you're going to get affected by this super, super cheap commoditization. And just imagine like, Think of it this way, like imagine you go to a car dealer and your car is worth a certain amount of money, right? Like 
and there's a supply demand relationship. But imagine if like, um, you know, like it became really, really, really cheap to build lots and lots of car dealership, car dealerships. And like, it'd be like, it brought down the, and the total number of cars went into infinity and it became really, really cheap to buy a car, right? Like why would your car's value um, stay up and why would it have much of a resale market? This is the problem I see in crypto over the next few years um, is this massive dilution by various like inexpensive app chains that can be built, um, which is why like uh, if you'd noticed like a lot of the discussion around Cosmos Atom 2.0 and this idea of bringing more value to the Atom token, somehow capturing the value of the growth of the cosmos, thousands of chains or whatever it's going to be in the future, has become like its own little narrative in a sense. And it's part of why like, you know, Atom's, um, you know, token value compared to like 2020 is still like a good like 12x or something like that, right? It's, it's really um maintained a lot of its valuation even though it like went to like $45 or whatever um even today's price is technically a fairly good value compared to the 2020 low so it's performed substantially better than even with like its 18% inflation rate it's done better than most of crypto um like most of the market which is interesting i think quant has done qnt has done uh like they've made quite a few announcements lately and kind of it popped already but uh, yeah, the next year or so, um, if the team at Cosmos can deliver, and I'm not saying that they will, but if they can deliver um, a, a good like value capture mechanism for the Atom token in the Cosmos ecosystem, it looks um, it does look pretty interesting. So you know, so again, I'm not advocating you go out and buy Atom or whatever. I don't know if it's a good price right now. Like I think most of mine I got at under twelve bucks. Um, just for reference, and um, I just sort of stake it and um, leave it alone for the most part, not really playing with it. Yeah, it's done really well during the bear market. It's done really well, like too well. It doesn't make me really bullish on it, only because I don't. I don't know, man. Are we gonna Are we gonna see a ten x out of it during the bear or during the bull market? Since it's had such a great bear market, I don't know how that works. I've never seen coins really do well in the bear market. Usually, if it does well in the bear market, like when the crowd comes, it usually these are usually like good solid 10x's or more. So no, that's not even that. That's not even saying that much, really. It was at 45 bucks or whatever, and now it's at 12, right? So the idea that it could print a higher, like a higher high at some point, if you know that's in the two, three, four hundred dollar range, is not would not be unexpected at all. Um, now, at the same time, like that would assume that it's delivering on a variety of fronts. Um, and right now, the market cap of Atom is only about, f what, three to four billion, maybe 3.8 or something like that. Um, for it to reach um, a 20 billion would be not unexpected at all, I think, in a bullish situation. That'd be a 5x from current value, which would be about 55, let's say, no, it's about $60, which, I mean, in previous bull market is 40 you know, 45 um, bucks or something. So it's it's actually not hard for um, Adam to return to those levels. Now, it'd be different if it was like a Litecoin or something, right? And like Litecoin and some of the other things like Bitcoin Cash didn't even reach prior all-time highs. Um, and they, they didn't really sort of like break out and do anything interesting. Um, so if it becomes useless in the sense that nobody's using it, nobody cares about it, there's no, then all bets are off. But with the team actually 
with the Cosmos team um, actually producing things um, with a big part of the core development team of Cosmos being very um, like being very uh, credible in the blockchain space as far as like their ability to execute. I think the odds that um, uh, I think the odds that uh, uh, either Atom or other Cosmos based chains that they're going to succeed are pretty high. Like I see a lot more activity, even on things like Stargaze, which is an NFT platform, just the volumes have been um, like kind of taking along. Um, hell, even um, like just even looking at um, like the amount of new users that came into Luna Classic, like where the fuck did they come from? I don't know, but here they are. <laughs> so there's all sorts of attraction into Cosmos. And I think once you start using some Cosmos chains, you start finding uses on other chains and you know all that it becomes like i think people should use the DeFi applications that are useful to them in their life if you can think from that perspective first not like okay which of these do i buy that's going to go up in value which of these things are useful first and foremost as some sort of store of value which you know kind of like um trading vehicles do you do you like if that's what you like to do Think about the stuff that you use. If you can't figure out what the hell you're going to use on these platforms, you really shouldn't be buying their coins either, in my opinion. <laughs> like, don't even bother. Like, if you can't find a use case, a lot of other people can't either, which means that, like, coin price not, is not going to go up. <laughs> it's like there's a limit to that. And, um, yeah, f find whatever utility you think is useful and try to, like, um, optimize for that, I think. And obviously, like a lot of speculation goes on, right? Like we make lots of different like predictive claims as far as like what might or might not be successful in the future. And, um, you know, I, I have a few that I think are interesting, but I may be wrong about all of them. In fact, I probably will be like, I'm, I'll bet you anything that like there'll be things that I know nothing about. They're going to do way better than anything I'm talking about here. That's highly probable. So I typically am not involved with the very tiniest market cap things. I usually wait till I can find out like how how useful teams are. So now that we are in a bear market and like Cosmos, for example, has been in existence uh, for how long is it now? Is it cl coming close to five years or something? So now at least we have um, some credible stress testing done, whether it was the crash of Terra, whether it was like other stress tests on the network. Um, we have had like... Um, IBC being broken between Terra and Osmosis because it was halted and other things like now we have a better sense of risk vectors, problems that can occur. Um, any chain like has to be battle tested through like, I don't know, attacks or whatever. Um, we've had a bunch of chains just, just completely just get wrecked, right? Like Harmony was all the rage during the bull market, but then had a bridge hack and just had um, like completely devastated in terms of price action, right? I'm sure you guys are aware of that. But this has happened to lots and lots of um, like chains where they've suffered from bridge hacks in the last, uh, last year or so, right? Like I think almost like what, a dozen different hacks? So it's pretty bad. Um, the most recent being Mango Market on I think Solana um, had quite the hit. So anyway. But it wasn't a bridge hack, right? That was no. an economic Solana, no. That was different. Yeah. But just between bridges and other hacks, um, a lot of different platforms have been really Yeah, yeah I think they haven't figured out bridges properly, you know. There seems to be a single point of failure for for most of the things. I think that's one of the real strengths for the cosmos ecosystem because I think this is really 
something that's working there, you know. Yeah, I think IBC needs to be made more robust. I think any stable coin has to be native to its chain. I don't think we should be sending like, I don't know, a USDC on Solana to a USDC on um, Ethereum or something like that without having like a native Ethereum version on one chain, a native Solana version on the other chain. All of that has to be run by the, the Circle Corporation. And any kind of intermediary is simply additional risk, in my view. Um, there can be like mm, all sorts of risks, like multi-sig risks, team risks. Some some bastard can like run off with some of the money or whatever. Um, there's so many different um, attack vectors at that point. And uh, yeah, and I mean, if it's a centralized coin like USDC, I mean, what's the point? Not not letting Circle do it, right? Yeah, exactly. If it's centralized already, then Circle themselves should be the one providing um, uh, a, a place to remit, buy and remit USDC on every chain that they that you have. But what's happened is people have taken the shortcuts and gone the bridge route. And the reason why bridges exist is because like a lot of chain wants to attract capital to um, itself. And the team, you know, coordinates with some company to create a bridge, um, whether it's wormhole or whoever. And um, that bridge then allows capital to flow from one chain to the other so people can play. And when people are rich with their DeFi, like, you know, they're making tons of yield, they're, they're compounding, they're trading, whatever. And now they want to, like, uh, speculate on other chains. You have this huge movement that the bridge is facilitated. But um, they uh, turned out to be a, a lot less safe uh, than you think. And the interesting thing is a lot of the bridge hacks could have been done by like various forms of insiders right because who is going to be most likely to know what the vulnerabilities of the bridges yeah, are right. but insiders and what can happen is is like insiders can tell their friends or buddies oh by the way you and me we're going to go and hack this thing um i'm not going to have my name anywhere on it none of my wilds are going to be involved but you over here you're going to do this for me <laughs> so who knows how much involvement there is with bridges and insiders i i'm just speculating but i would think that that would be yeah, and another thing Steffi, uh, basically uh, unless the the item or let's say the, the stable coin is native to the chain it's not really on that chain you know you're just having some kind of a Whatever it is, but you you can't really with with whoever holds a asset a real world asset against Excuse a stablecoin like a, a T bill or something. You can't really redeem it with those guys. Hey, because, Sean, exactly. Jason, what's up? What situation y'all talking about? Um, well, just generally the concept of bridge, uh, bridge hacks and theft was what the conversation sort of went towards. Why? What are you asking? Uh, so can I ask questions? Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you want. Um, uh, can you talk about finance? Like finance in general, or what? Like, yeah, in general. Such as what? Like, what do you want to know? Steffi, Steffi, like before your man, Steffi, before your man, before your man jumped in, Steffi, before your man jumped in, because he's. I don't know what segue he put you under there. Like I was, I don't know what the fuck was going on there. Sorry, bro. Uh, dude, can I'm gonna shut up? I'm gonna go away. Drop down as a speaker. Can you give me your elevator pitch for Celestia? I heard you mention it earlier. It's a conversation like it's a conversation we've never had yet, bro. Uh, it's a conversation I'm like really interested. To, like, hear your opinion on like Celestia, how far you've gone down the rabbit hole. I, uh, haven't, I just I haven't, I haven't gone very far, actually. Um, I think 
the thing to do is I need to get some of the guys from Celestia on and like really dig into it with them a little bit more. So maybe we'll like dedicate a whole space to that or something. Can I can I come on, Sefi? Can I come on? Because I've been I've been screaming at Rayman yeah. and everybody. Yeah, I'm screaming. Let me talk. Real quick. Let me talk. May we'll I figure send you out. my cash out? Yeah, Jason. What's what's your question? I can send you my cash out. Can I see what? May I send you my cash out? I'm gonna bro, send you, man. What, what's your man talking about, bro? What's 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 all that about? We're no trying to have a we're trying to have an adult conversation. He wants and to send I'm, me his cash app. <laughs> All right, okay. I mean, I'm, it's nearly 2.30 and I can have an adult conversation, which Sefi will tell you is rare for me. Uh, no, no, Sefi, we had a space earlier with Gaines, myself and little Gaines and a few others. This and, why uh, we did. This is why I asked you a question about finance. Yeah, but, like, do you have an actual question or just being irritating? Like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to learn how to get some money. Get you some go, what? Like, get, get a job. Some, get some Wait a minute, dude. Please finish your words off. Please, the syllables at the end of words, please use them. Honestly, you sound like you, you're Thai. You, honestly, that's how the Thai speak. You know, the ones from I, 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 I. Relax. And we should all think about things and like rainbows and sunsets and waterfalls. You know, this space has been talking about Doquan because it's had the same uh, like title for the last like four hours. So Who you can ask my cares out Jason, it's really yeah, Your man, got... Sefi, your man, Sefi, though, mentioned like Celestia earlier, and he's a big brain, and we've had a couple of conversations. And, and, and Sefi listens when it's like I've been on the spaces for like six hours and I'm not the best. I just wanted to know, like, Sefi's elevator pitch. Uh, Sefi, I've tried to get uh, Mustafa and uh, John and Nick White on the show. Uh, I've been trying for ages, man. I've sent them like formal messages and everything. That I'll tell you what, they're so difficult. But Sefi, I dropped you some DMs just earlier because uh, yeah. you were on about like bridges, right? You need to listen to this, mate. This YouTube with uh, James from Nomad. You need to listen to Mustafa absolutely slate in the bridges, mind. Because this okay. is like I, when I heard you when I heard you mention Celeste, like Celestia, I was like, oh, he's right. What does he know, like? Mate, I was expecting you coming out being like a big brain, and I'm like, I'm dying for it. I'm dying for the Sefi Celestia elevator pitch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's this idea of like, um, uh, well, it's kind of like a, uh, with blockchains, the issue is like you have a settlement layer, and then you have where, where sort of transactions are finalized. And then you have issues like where do you actually do computation? And like, and then also, where do you put files and file storage? So if people have used NFTs, for example, you know that like JPEGs are stored on certain, you know, certain services. And, you know, you have like, um, you know, the, the monetary of like value stored somewhere. You have the recording of your NFT stored somewhere in terms of like the, the, the non-fungible token, the token itself. You're on the blockchain. Yeah. So the things that are on blockchain and then you have the things that are not on the blockchain, which uh, are things like computation that need to be done elsewhere. So this like creation of modularity um, uh, with like how computation is taken care of is sort of what, um, I don't know, like some of this you see with like what Polygon does, you see it with like uh, what Celestia is trying to do with like modularity. But yeah, I need to like, I've, I've gone over their website and this and that, but I'm still not fully sure of exactly like the the precise problem within cosmos that celestia solves 
And I need ah, to sort of like, I, I need to dig into that, okay. like, the new, the nuance of it. Like, yeah. Like why Celestia? Okay. Why do we need that particular thing and not something else? I don't know. Our, uh, our conversation, maybe we've been having these conversations for like six to eight months, I think. Our conversation earlier was about the fact that like, we're talking about these L1s deploying, right? Uh, it's just not going to be worth it. And the L1s that are already existing on Cosmos, dude, the, there isn't an endless stream of validator sets, right? And what does Celestia need? Validator sets and obviously like clients, right? The more like clients, it's got the more securities, right? It's, it's going to get to a stage. We're already seeing it with some other things now. Uh, I was talking about this like, vision earlier where some of the, the IBC, I don't refer to it as Cosmos, by the way. I, I'll never refer to it as Cosmos. Or it's always IBC. Some of those L1s, dude, are just going to roll into Celestia, sovereign L2 roll-ups, right? Uh, and, and depending on what, what layer that can control, because whether it's like through uh, fewer labs and SWAY, uh, if they're going to use that as like the settlement layer, <clears throat> uh, it, you know, people can, there's a lot of work to do right now, right? Uh, but maybe a lot of these validator sets that you're seeing now, and, and a lot of these, like, there's some shit chains on IBC, a lot of these are just going to roll up, mate, onto Celestia, and especially anything Cosmosm enabled with, like, Optimint now, with, like, pretty much, like, a, a Cosmosm-like plugin. It's because, obviously, Sefi, you know that I'm involved in a particular project. We've got a particular, like, platform, et cetera, right? We're looking for a HQ, yeah? We need uh, to be on a blockchain with a desktop application where the user base will act as the like clients, right? And then we can obviously we execute everything. Then we use a settlement layer like Fuel, uh, whatever, right? Oh, sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Okay, I'll shut up, dude. Sorry, you talk. Um, of all people, Moonrise thinks this is boring. So Moonrise, yeah, like enlighten us. What's next? So are you guys still um, bullish on Luna Classic? Are my bullish on Luna Classic? That's what uh, I said. Well, uh, price could go up. Yes. But I've never said anything particular about like where it's going or anything else. Did your man, Sefi, did your man, did your man just wait a minute, dude, dude, did you just like do some back to the future shit or something? Did you just come from the fucking 1800s? The railway era of like, hey, what, what, bro, what's going on? What you're talking about? Luna Classic. We're talking about Celestia here, bro. Bro, do you know, do you know what next level, bro? Do you know what next level shit we're talking about? Bro, dude, you little pleb, I'm going to jump out of space because Sefi's a wise man. I only wanted Sefi's elevator pitch on Celestia. I jumped in, about to go to bed, oh, I heard him mention Celestia. Hey, bro, Kerry. man, bro, take a fucking walk, man, if you haven't done your homework, man. Piss off, will you? Sorry, Sefi, I do apologise, bro. <laughs> You're fine. Sefi, uh, your man, your man, Sefi, press... Drag this conversation to I don't know what for I don't know what reason you know. Sefi, your man, he's fresh Prince of Bel Air, brother. I tell you, what's his name? Moonrise. Hey, man, fucking bro, don't, don't. Honestly, anyway, uh, I'm just saying, get, get on Celestia, guys. Do your homework. See the horizontal modular stack. See how it's going to work with Optimum and Cosmosm and the EVMs. See how everything's going on. Get into what Sway is. See how what like fundamentals it takes from uh, Solidity, right? And see how it's utilizing other languages, right? Like Rust, right? 
get into Optimum. Uh, Sefi, so mate, I've got to go to bed. It's a bit late for me. Bro, I just wanted you to elevate the pitch and then, yeah, man, yeah, man, he's on fucking, what drugs is he on, Sefi? Sorry, man. <laughs> get some, uh, get you some haven't met Moonrise before. Get some Rona yeah, yeah. Classic. Rob, Rob, before you go, while you're here, you're with the raccoons on Juno, right, mate? I am, bro. I'm the brand ship poster. They made me, I was the brand ambassador and I got in some trouble with uh, Jacob today. Like, Rob was just causing absolute chaos on this ecosystem. I'm telling you, I'm in so much trouble Why, today. What, Rob, did you, what did you do? Well, Jacob, Jacob is an honorary rat, right? And then he took a bribe from uh, Don Kryptonium to change his uh, profile photo, same as uh, Jack. You know, Jack uh, is... Um, you know, you know, walk Jack, hey, eh? Jack Z, right? Yeah, yeah. Mate, they're just scamming, man, the industry, man, for exit liquidity. I tell you what, Don's, Rama's on his wallet. Don's done four grand a day. Mate, we're all over it. We're, we're absolutely destroying the plebs, man. We couldn't care less, man. We've got, Sefi will tell you, we've got memes for days, man. Absolutely. Wait, are, are, memes you calling, are you calling foul play on the bad kids, bro? Bro, what the fuck is that, man? Honestly, seriously, if your kid, if your kid brought that in, you'd start asking questions, wouldn't you? If your kid, six-year-old, came in from school with that drawn, you'd be asking questions, son. <laughs> no, mate. No, I had a question for you because uh, being on Juno, are you guys, uh, and talking about shit posters and, uh, you know, uh, people who are doing the memes on behalf of the, the NFT project, I'm friends with uh, Rec V, who I know that you love uh, talking shit back and forth with as well. But like, are you guys excited over there on Juno about the arrival of the Rec Bolts and, and all that liquidity that's about to pour in there? Because I can tell you, I'm about to pour in some serious liquidity into minting some Rec Bulls in, in a few days. We're doing, we're doing a space on Friday. We're doing a big, massive space. We've got hot and cold finance coming on. I want your man. I want your man from Rec Bulls because uh, I crashed their spaces on Sunday. God almighty, man. I'd hardly slept from the six-hour one we did on a Saturday night, right? Dude, I was in no, I was in absolutely no state to attend the spaces, right? And I just dove in because a uh, youngster and uh, Gaines, little Gaines, were in there. They were talking about taxing the Red Bulls or something. Is that I was in bed, like trying to go to sleep, and all I could hear was like Gaines saying, "Like, dude, you've got to pay your taxes if you want to come on June or." You gotta pay your taxes, right? Yeah, those are your mates. Those are the other raccoons that are over there. They're they're forming, of course, you know, they're mafia and they, they wanna defend their turf by raising some some taxes or something from the new people. Yeah, man, yeah, man, Sefi's in the mafia. He's right in there. He's had a scoot around the dashboard. Uh, Sefi, did you see the uh, governance proposals yet or not? Have you voted soon? No, which proposal is this? Oh, Sefi, I'll tell you what. Which one and where Sefie? do I vote? Sefi, I don't want to fall out with your son, mind. I don't want to fall out with you. You're a nice fella, right? You need to go on raccoon.supply. You need to click on the NFT series, secret NFT. You need to open it up. You'll see governance. There's already three props up. Dude, the well-written, the articulate. Rama put the first prop up, which is about exploring the feasibility of using like a burn and mint function. To go from secret to Juno, but that's um, I'm pretty much against that. I do want to investigate the feasibility, but I'm against like actually doing a, a burn and min function and moving over, right? Between, I really love wait, 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 to, to move, move what to what? Move 
Okay, right. So the the racks, uh, the rack NFTs are on secret, right? But our gambling platform is on Juno, and it's obviously fully Cosmosm integrated, sure. right? Okay. So we can we can wrap Juno for the distribution. So the NFT holders obviously get a distribution from the gambling platform, right? That's how it works. We are we are the shareholders, the NFT holders, right? Right. We own right. the platform. So, dude, yeah, we can uh, get. Uh, what is it? Uh, is it not not BG? Is it S Juno? It's S Juno. Well, so shares and NFT going to have the SEC on us. We're all, oh, dude. We're all, oh, dude. We've had lawyers working for months, man. We're in the clear, like you wouldn't believe. We've been setting this up during the bear market, like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, uh, the problem is, guys, that you can play on the gambling platform in CW twenty tokens, like Raw Netter. Uh, uh, etc. Uh, but you can't get them off and on to secret. So for our distribution, right, the first distribution, uh, we did like a bit of a like a ceremonial type thing, right, like a nostalgia thing. Yeah, one thousand three hundred and thirty three NFTs, one thousand three hundred and thirty three like Juno, right? Because we're only a startup, we're only six months in. Yeah, but the first distribution was kicked off, right? I think we had like twenty eight k in rack rack token that could have been distributed uh only little bits of netter and uh raw because those lotteries have just been on the go that haven't been up for long yeah where you can play like pay to play in multiple tokens right so anyway we had this distribution uh sefi did you hear though we broke the secret network when we did the distro we broke the secret network dude i'm not lying so Wait, but what do you want to do? You want to move the NFTs from Secret to Juno, or? Well, we want we want we want Dow Dow version two, don't we? We want Dow Dow version two, right? And uh, obviously over there we've got uh, ZK, right? Uh, What's going to be integrated? Yeah, isn't but can't you integrate? Like, doesn't Dow Dow have the ability to integrate with like your NFTs on Secret or no? Ah, well, the, the, DAOs, the DAOs only started working on this when Rama put the prop up. So do you want the true story of how the stinky blinders work? Rama put the prop up, and literally everybody just came out the woodwork. I, I retweeted it, uh, the Discord shot, just to get in. I mean, all of them came out. Uh, Earth came out, Amir came out, right? Your big man, Asif from Secret, came out. Uh, we got Jake talking with them. Like, literally, we just, like, Inflame the whole community, but isn't that the purpose, Sefi? No, if a DAO. But, but wait, what what was wrong with having the NFTs on Secret and then having the casino on Juno? Like, is isn't that we good? Like, it's even more decentralized. We can't do the distribution. We can't distribute CW twenty tokens. That's the problem. Cosmosm native tokens. We can't Juno. Juno the L one. You can wrap it up, right? You can't wrap CW twenty tokens and put them on secret and distribute them on secrets. Can't be done. Okay, That's but why not, just wrap, why not just distribute those on Juno then? Ah, well, this was the token point. Uh, like, what we're going to do if we've got a load of rack? Are we just going to go and dump a load of rack on the market? Like, we have to think about these things, Sefi. There's a lot of metrics involved, no? Dude, I mean, I'm not even like a dev or a tech guy, but it's like. Dude, this is some complicated shit. It's a complicated shit. Yeah, I get it. But you know what's interesting? I thought about the way that the mechanism is set up now. For you to like go to secret, figure out how to buy a raccoon there, and then realize, okay, I'm going to use Juno to use the platform. It actually is like a good 
it's kind of a weird experience in the first place, but it, the good part of it is it makes sure that it's mostly Cosmos OGs that are actually using the system, right? So the friction actually makes it such that like you get engagement from the secret people, you get engagement from the Juno people, and you, you sort of like have, um, you know, you, you wind up with kind of like a dual um, community effect. I think that's kind of a good thing. I don't know that you want to break that. Well, we want to be we want to be completely multi-chain. Uh, I put a, a, a community poll up the other day to find out where we should go first. Uh, it's early days for Celestia, so everybody's saying like uh, Binance Smart Chain, obviously. You know, the guys want to be, I mean, the unbelievable developers. Are these guys, man, like we've got this AI master's degree, stayed on after his master's, did loads of research at the uni, like border and online PhD. Right, we've got like a lethal, just one of the most lethal Python coders out there. Yeah, uh, but just like think of it this way: like if I was going to own a security, which is basically a fraction of a casino, right? And I, I want to worry about like two different regulatory concerns. It makes sense actually for the NFT, like that represents the security to be a secret on secret network and nobody knows the fuck you own it, right? That's kind sort of a good thing. Well, um, Sefi, so what a... you're saying, Sefi, yeah. what you're saying, sorry to interject, I burst on the secret DAO spaces. I was very legit. I had great questions. I took over the last like 30 minutes of the secret DAO spaces the other week. If you can go back and find it, I think it was about two weeks ago. Mate, you'll really enjoy the questions that I posed and about the fact that I can see you know, the like uh, the availability advantages and moving to Juno, but I've got this kind of like nostalgia and like you see it, dude, why why did we deploy on Juno but mint on secret? That doesn't make sense logically, right? Well, primarily it was because there wasn't a marketplace on Juno and the guys like stash up, right? But we're all over the world, right? Different jurisdictions, which I said in the Medium article, I really expressed this in my Medium article from July, yeah? Different jurisdictions, uh, Sefi, even in the states, right? Different states have got, like, different rules. Is that right for, for gambling or gaming, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's correct. But, like, um, here's the thing. So the way online gambling sort of works is if your company is deployed in a specific state, then, you know, like, that's one thing. But if you're in some decentralized system and nobody can shut it down, it's not necessarily illegal for the end user to go gamble online. It's just the business can't be in the state. So, for example, um, if you're in the state of Nevada, then you, you're basically like um, under the jurisdiction of the NGC or like the Nevada Gaming Commission, they call it, or like other states, they just don't have like um just regular gambling available so that's true but at the same time like if you're using an online platform um there's nobody to keep you from using these things now the online platforms like may not be able to connect to a bank account directly right because that means that they're offering like your local bank might have like rules against that uh in terms of like what you can connect to internationally and everything but with crypto the whole point is like you can gamble whatever the hell you want wherever you want and not much of anybody can do anything about it like so when it comes to gambling platforms or securities you don't want to point a pin a target on your back like to me it's like <laughs> the secret network is a perfect place to have 
um, like a gambling slash um, security type of system. So I don't know. Like I, I thought it was kind of a good thing that. Um, Sophie, like, uh, are you in in that conversation? Are you excited about a uh, Dow Dow version two? Because yeah. Jake's going mad about it, and oh, dude, I'm, I'm you know the charity spaces we did. We announced the Dow for the uh, the man that rescues dogs. You must be excited about uh, V two, dude. It's amazing, no? Yeah, so I think I see your problem. What's the issue that you guys are facing is, on the one hand, you want to have distribution of funds and things governed by the Dow Dow system, the version two, but that's on Juno. Yet, on the other hand, the NFT that represents the security that, uh, like, I might own or something like that, um, is on Secret Network and connecting those two things to prove that you own that NFT while simultaneously, um, like while simultaneously be able to participate on the Juno network with the DAO and like to uh, either for membership of the DAO or for distribution of funds. That's where I see your problem, right? Yes. And add in that the secret devs and the secret like Maxis, they don't like ZK. They're not fans of ZK. They're very, in the secret community, there's a big push against ZK, mind. Wait, what's ZK, what, like a person, or are you talking about ZK? Like the zero knowledge, you know, the zero knowledge, yeah. Okay, okay. The, the, the security, the privacy, right? Because uh, the, the work, the, the thing is, what needs to happen is, uh, what needs to happen is, guys, is the Dow Dow needs to use secret security, right? Which is what they're trying to figure out now. So by us putting this prop up, uh, Sefi, just so you know, I'm not going to talk about which devs were a bit laid back and not in a hurry. Since we put this prop up and the conversation came main, since the conversation came mainstream, right, the devs have kicked right into action, right into action, which is a really good thing. If the community can't, like, drag the devs into, like, oh, shit, there's a problem, we better get together. You know, we've got, like, Rack and Secret. We've got Rack and Dow Dow together. Uh, we've got Dow Dow and Secret together. So hopefully, I don't know, Sefi, hopefully they can come up with a solution and like it shows that the community, like when they speak up and want to want to have a yeah. voice, they can do something, yeah? If you can make somehow, um, yeah, Dow Dow being able to connect with, um, yeah, with Secret and tie the NFTs together with some kind of zero knowledge situation, I can see what you're trying to accomplish. Um, uh, yeah, it's... It's it's a complicated ask at this point. <laughs> and and Okay. Okay. So did you listen did you listen to Jake last week? Did you listen to the little gain space with the uh, so. from all right. I okay. Sefi, I highly he was a brilliant host. I highly recommend going back, finding the cosmos space last week with the, I think it was Tuesday, uh, with Jake, yeah, Jake Hartnell. Uh Dow Dow version two. I mean Jake stayed on much longer than he should. Gains has been working to get information out of them. I highly recommend that space as buddy mine. Yeah, I've spoken to Jake a couple of times, um, a little bit about Dow Dow. I don't know if I was part of that conversation or not. I don't remember. But I don't think I heard all of it. But I, I, I'll have to check. He left, he left some alpha, dude. He left some alpha. And you know something? He said, he said, I absolutely fucking love raccoons. They're my favorite NFT project. <laughs> dude, he dropped it. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah. I, uh, interestingly, like a casino slash security is like the perfect um, like intersection for exactly what you guys are trying to accomplish. I don't, 
I'm not doubting that at all. It, it makes perfect sense. Uh, if it's technically feasible, like I would like to see it be on like the project split between the two chains. And I would be fine with that at this point personally, because I think Agreed. most of the rack holders, most of the, rac- the, the raccoon holders are like kind of like Cosmos OG crowd anyway. And you're not trying to find a bunch of brand new buyers for this thing necessarily. Um, so like we, we know how to use secret. We know how to use our Kepler wallet. We know how to use Juno and like, you know, we have a lot of friends in both communities, so it's perfectly fine. Right. So I'm good with that part of it. I think that's kind of, uh, like an interesting feature of it, even though it's a little bit annoying the first time around to, to buy, go buy a coin or whatever. Steffi, Steffi, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting a tattoo, aren't you? Gains is going to tat your rack. Gains, little Gains is going to tat your rack. If anyone's seen the tats in there, Seppi, your man, Seppi's going in the Hall of Fame. So nobody knows you can go on Stash and have a look. Like uh, we've got honorees, but we've got a Hall of Fame. And you can actually do that through the website. You see that, uh, Seppi, yeah? You can go in the Hall of Fame yourself, like through the website, yeah? Um, um, what? Oh, go to the sorry. Hall of Fame and do what? <laughs> like, what? No, but have you seen? Obviously, you've been on the NFT dashboard, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame where you have some of the like, like named raccoons in there or something. And you can pick your own attributes, Steffi. Oh, it's so good, dude. I mean, raccoon picked some of mine because uh, I nearly got my toe amputated a couple of months ago, you know. So if you look at my honorary, it's got like toe amputated. You know, they were just taking the piss. It's just good crack. Uh, Steffi, if you've got a rack, you get it tatted up. You stick it in the Hall of Fame. You be a stinky blinder. You're a stinky blinder for life. You go off. You work in your NFT projects and do all this, but you'll always be a rock dude. Always. Robo, while you're on here, could I ask you a question about Stash? I FOMO'd into uh, a couple Anon's army. What's the utility of those things? What should I be doing? I haven't really done much with them. Dude, I have no idea, and I'm not joking to you. I bought a... I bought a couple of baby atoms to claim the uh, stars airdrop from my three pools, right? That They were the first NFTs I'd ever bought. And then I just went like all in on rocks. Like, I'm not. <laughs> just, but clearly the, the, the real Anons, the first ver- versions are, are OGs on Stash and OGs on Secret, right? But I don't know what the utility of the second collection is with the Anons army. Dude, don't don't ask me. I know nothing. I'm, I can't comment on anything. Stash are our friends. Sefi will understand. I'm being very uh, political here. I'm being, being very diplomatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I, did you I say, did becoming I say, diplomatic. Did I say political when I meant diplomatic? Jesus Christ Almighty. Uh, Stash, though, I'll say I had some teething problems. We broke them a couple of times. The guys are great. Even Jacob went out and bought a new computer to help with the secret, right? To, to, to validate, yeah, to, to get them back in the game. Uh, I love Stash Mine, guys. Great marketplace. Cool. Do you, do you like a bit of Stash, uh, Sefi? I don't do much over there. I only play on raccoons, but I love Stash now. Um, no, I haven't really done anything much over there. All I did was buy a raccoon on there. That's the first thing I did on there. <laughs> so. They keep adding little features like the Twitter feature or whatever, but they they are, they, I think, I think Stasha, uh, the most active team uh, on Secret from what I've seen, you know. Yeah, it seems like it's a good, good platform. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, your man, Bruce, your man, Bruce, I'm going to step down. I'm going to step down. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Robo, I have one quick question for you. 
Um, I see you're, you've got gaming there on your profile. You're talking about gaming uh, on crypto. What's your take on Cosmos uh, crypto gaming? Just briefly, do you think it's, it's, there's a lot of potential here? Or do you think it's saturated with lots of little games? Like, who are the big players in your, uh, in your opinion? Who are the big boys? It's not just on Cosmos. It's right across the board. I mean, I got into, like, P2A and everything, like, last year, heavy, made good money on Axie and stuff. It's all pretty shit. Like, if there's anybody that's like, oh, crypto gaming, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, I, I mean, uh, I haven't caught up on Phantom Galaxies lately. Uh, I mean, I know they're, like, they've been out a while now, but... It's. I presume it's getting better, but I, I'm. I'm almost. Uh, I'm eleven months out of that like market or whatever. Even though I'm in the the game and raccoons, that's a little bit different, no. Uh, the only thing that really excites me is uh, uh, Saga, yeah. Uh, but that's they're kind of like layer zero, aren't they? For for games, yeah. They did. Uh, oh my god! You know, S A G. Do you prefer to be called Robo or Shelby or like? What like people right. are calling you different oh. things? Sefi, I'm glad you said that, right, guys? It's Robo with an oh, it's the low, the low sound, not the high sound. It's all right. I know. Robo. I know okay. some people say it. I know some people say Robo, like you know, but Robo is my name. It was my father's nickname, my grandfather's nickname. It's been handed down for a hundred years, you know. Eh, dude, a eh, saga. Uh, you know they're Mesefi, don't you? But they're a bit of a VC chain. Loads of funding in there. But they're trying to build like a layer zero uh, for games to build on, you know, like where like IMX and stuff built as like a layer two on Ethereum, right? <clears throat> they're trying to be able to like facilitate like a kind of a studio layer one, no? But uh, I don't know, guys. I, I, think, I think we're like five years away from any reality of like decent gaming, no? Yeah, I don't think people have figured out like the the best gaming experience because like in the real world like the most obvious gaming experiences people want with cash is just straight up gambling. And there has been plenty of opportunity for uh various uh, like like uh computing gaming platforms to build something with like kind of real world money tied to it. And outside of like I don't know, like costumes and things you buy on some of these video games. Nobody has really like found a good way to take real world money tied into games and like keep the either the game fun or keep the gambling fun. And um, like, if anything, like the existing gambling industry is like has some of the highest motivation to create fun games that are like that are going to likely addict you and uh, make sure that you spend lots of money. And um like, and so Steffi, far, Steffi, Steffi, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. By the way, I've moved rooms. Uh, the whole, the whole P two E meta thing was just Zuckerberg. It was just Zuckerberg. That was the yeah. entire thing. I wrote an article on it, guys. It's I've only written like two articles or something yeah, on media. He's mostly bullshit. Yeah. Ah, uh, and, and it was just Zuckerberg, man. Right, we're going to change the name to Meta. Everybody lost their shit, man. I was doing 10Xs, 15Xs overnight on shit coins that are worth nothing now. Uh, there are, I mean, there are some people who are really trying. Like, I like a bit of Planet Sandbox uh, if they go multi-chain. Like I say, I mean, even these games, man, if you're not multi-chain, Sefi, you're just wasting it. I mean, what's got to happen is you, you can't know you're playing on a chain. And this is what Raccoon are aiming for, right? 
That's what they've been saying all along, yeah? The Raccoon experience with the desktop application, you shouldn't even know that you're playing on a blockchain. That's the end goal, Sefi. Our users don't know they're on a blockchain, yeah? Exactly. <laughs> hey, Bruce, did you get some sleep or what? No, what's going on in here? Some kind of suspicious shilling going on. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. My my the the hairs on my neck are on end because I feel like I'm gonna have to buy something soon. We we were your man, we had your to, man uh, Bruce. Where's he from, Sefi? Wait a minute. Where's he? Where's your man Bruce from? Is is he English? He's English, isn't he? Is he English? I'm not is fucking English. English. No, I'm not, English. I'm not scumbag. I'm from Norway, dude. I'm just winding you up. Sorry, dude. No, it's fine, man. Just don't call me English again. Thank you. But you do sound like a hooligan, though. You do sound like one of those like Norwegian mad hooligans when I've been watching them on the YouTube. Oh, Jesus. Be careful of Bruce, guys. Uh, uh, Bruce, I'm not chilling, man, but Bruce, you need a rap. Bruce is getting in the stinky, isn't he? We need, we need to imagine Coach Bruce in the stinky blinders. What a fucking scoop. <laughs> we groomed Sefi. We can groom, we can fucking groom Bruce. No, you're, you're confused, man. I want to be sure. Like, my life is empty and I'm looking for some hope. Like what? Give me some, like these days, there's no fucking religion around. Like there aren't any fucking Mormon people or Jehovah's Witnesses turning up at my door. There's fucking nothing. Like there's no hope in the world. What am I going to do? Fuck some ugly girl on Tinder or something. There's nothing out there. I want some fucking hope. I want to have like a, I don't know, like a cyber religion or something, man. I want to have something I invest in that also makes me a better man. Can Raccoon Chain provide that? Bro, don't you, uh, do you do some shit in uh, Thailand? Are you in Thailand? I saw you fucking post about uh, something to do in Thailand. Are you in Thailand, are you? Not right now, man. But like when, you, when you're low and lonely, it's, yeah, it's inevitable to go to these places like Thailand, the Philippines, to explore the lady boys and stuff, man. Like it's inevitable. I don't know. But it's not, it's oh. not that I want to live long term. I want to have my hope in something. I want to be a better person. Um, just I, like I'm a little bit sick also of the criticisms. You're, you keep attacking me, man. Um, just, just give oh, me some. Bruce, come on, man, come on! I'm only pulling your chain, man. Your man, Sefi. I was calling your man, fucking Sefi, last week, man. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, because he's got some servants. How many servants, Sefi? Have you got seven? Did he say he had seven? I'm not too sure. Bruce, I can't mm, just if you're, two. Uh, if you're Welsh or if you're Pakistani English, what are you? Who me? Who did you see? Am I Welsh or Pakistani? Fucking Jesus! You. He mistook you for a Pakistani, yeah. Yeah, you just sound a bit like one, to be honest. What are you? My, 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 what I'm, what I, what are you? My mother just fucking disowned me there. Uh, I'm a Mackam, darling. I'm a Mackam. We Mackam and Tackam. I'm a Mackam. That's what I'm known like as. A you know, you don't know Mackam and Tackam, no, from uh, when we used to build ships, putting the rivets in, no. Mm. It's a historical reference, darling. Maybe it's above your pay grade. It Maybe it's above your pay grade. Sorry, I'm not too sure. Like I, I don't know how worldly you are. I know these two buggers. I know your man Bruce. I've never spoke to your man Bruce. Sefi's probably thinking, oh Jesus, Rob was met Bruce. Hey, but Bruce, you need to go out with my mate, uh, Sin City. Bruce, have you heard about Sin City or not? No. No. Is it? A, you mean a person on the internet? Oh. Would you place or what? Oh. Dude, he's the fucking bad version of you. He's the bad version of you, dude. Telling I you. thought that was the bad version of me. Oh, dude, I, dude, I'm telling you, fucking dude, get yourself up anyway. Give us a give us a hit up next time you're in Bangkok, or next time you're trawling through on your way down to Samui or whatever. 
Me and well, hope you're Manchester. Ma- is that what that means? You're from Manchester. Darling, is what is your Google broke? Is your Google. I don't broke really understand what you're saying a lot of the time. Ava. I'm gonna lie. Ava, I like you, but is your is your fucking Google broke or what today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been using Google, which is a really good dapper that runs off um something. It's like yeah, Google is not very good. Google is what Rack is talking about. Oh, is she um, shilling? Is she shilling? Is she shilling some shit site or something? What does shilling mean? Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the three-part Chepe Space. Doquan, saint or sinner. Recorded on Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Watching these debates like what a bunch of noise When the illusion of choice outmaneuvers your voices No one really knows what the fuck is going on here Sitting in the bunker, waiting for the all clear It's like we're getting steered towards the motherfucking iceberg Captain all drunk deciphering where the ice lurks And we thought 2020 was gonna be a nice year Living with the plague like, who brought the mice here? Try to think of it as another simulation Game full of bugs, but it's still fun to play It's like we're aliens, beta testing earth Digging in the dirt, trying to earn a little girth the beast is silent when it defeats the riders living outside trying to meet this virus if you want to watch it all burn from the sky rise delete the science and increase the righteous living like a jerk return to feed the worms vibing like a tree just breathing out the words be careful outside then police is violent feeling like i finally earned some peace and quiet piece of pie first trying to be the fat kid you least admire feast of fire when the beasts of burden are getting all bored but at least we're certain we found the imposter living among us fussing with hunches another big chungus bludgeon don't worry the fungus will clean up the guts and get us to function on fleeting assumptions i'll see through the rust from rush to rush now we're stacked up like a bunch of junk so hush your muck before we stuff your luck and break your fucking neck to this like bust a bust Bleeding impulsive, the meeting controls it When breathing corrosive, no eating the bullshit Feeling the worth like it's gonna be a good year Now we're all tired, stop treading on the work here My style is the best. My style is the best.